We appreciate your coming out today. And with that, we are going to uh, begin our meeting. This is the Board of Education meeting for Shawnee Mission, Monday, April 23rd. Our first item is the Pledge of Allegiance. Please join us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here. We appreciate your coming out tonight. I know that everybody's here for a whole variety of reasons, and we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, a couple folks that we want to especially welcome today. Um, I'll do this at the front end. Um, we have quite a few elected officials with us, and so I'm going to ask them to stand by the type of service that they provide to our community. So if there's anyone that serves on any city councils, if I could have them stand to be recognized. Thank you very much for being here, Jory. We appreciate it. And um, because of a break that's taking place in our state legislature, we're glad to have state representatives and state sen senators please stand to be recognized. I think at the committee level anyway, we're almost to a quorum, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. And um, I couldn't help but point out that uh, here we are in April, about one month left of school to go, and I suspect there's a few students here who still have to check the box to attend a public meeting. If you are here today as a student who is here as a requirement for one of your classes, if you could please stand and be recognized for being here. Mr. Stratton, yes. we'll be glad to sign those. Okay. For those that stay for the entire meeting, Dr. Southwick would be glad to sign your notebook to prove that you were here for the entire meeting. Thank you for being here. Uh, with that, we'll move on to our agenda, and we are on agenda item B, which is the report of the interim superintendent. Dr. Southwick. Yes, thank you, uh, Mr. Stratton. A lot of great information uh, to share tonight with respect to our students. First of all, Grace Chisholm, uh, Sunny Mission East, senior was named Coca-Cola Scholar. As a Coca-Cola Scholar, she's won 150 students to receive a $20,000 scholarship. At Shawnee Mission East, she's editor-in-chief for the school newspaper, a member of the student government, and the national merit finalist. Grace also finds time to be on the soccer team and tennis teams and is a member of the choir and the chamber choir. She has been in her school musical all four years, and Grace also serves as the Youth Ambassador for the Juvenile Diabetes Research. We're very proud of Grace. Students in the Animation and Game Design Signature Program are uh, in the Imagine uh, Honoree category. Out of 350 entries submitted to the Imagine Media Festival held March 3rd, uh, three of the top honors were given to students in our district signature programs. Their work was evaluated by industry professionals. Maya Colvin, a senior at Shawnee Mission North earned first place in character animation. Zen Dalton, a junior at Shawnee Mission South earned first place in 3D environment. Noah Foster, a sophomore at Shawnee Mission North earned a second place in character animation. The signature program is taught by Brian Johnson. Congratulations to all those students. Inspired by a Trailwood fourth grader, Casey Friend, Kansas lawmakers named the State Rock, Mineral, and Gemstone. Thank you all very much for your work. Casey wrote a letter to lawmakers suggesting that the Kansas name a state rock, a mineral, and a gemstone. 
They were so impressed and invited him to present to the legislature. He must have been convincing because the legislation was signed in Topeka. Now our state rock is limestone, our state mineral is galena, and gelinite uh, amber is the state gemstone. The budding geologist's letter was the first sent to his representative, Jan Kessinger, as a part of a class project. Now that's activism at its best. <laughs> Two Shawnee Mission school district teams from Rose Hill Elementary are national honor mentioned national honor mention winners in the Explora Vision competition for K-12 students. It's an honor given to students in the top 10% of all entries submitted in the United States and Canada. The first team, Clean Hands, included Rose Hill's first graders, um, Avalyn Yahart, Junior <coughs> Sherman, along with second graders, Daniel uh, Gakunji and Carrie Byers. Their invention was a faucet that uses sensors and other technology to adjust hand washing materials and communicate when hands are fully clean. Very ingenious. The second team, live listeners, included Rose Hill fourth graders, uh, Vieira Hernandez, Zuri Robinson, and Marley uh, Risco, Morgan Stevenson. They submitted an idea for headphones that use sensors and alerts to make drivers more alert and safe when navigating on the road. The teams were led by Brandy Liggett, instructional coach and mentored at Rose Hill by our librarian, Allison Harrington. Congratulations to those students. The next story is actually two-part. You'll hear one part this month and you'll hear another part next month because these were students that went to a national competition and we have some very exciting news, but you'll have to come back it's kind of like they do on TV. You'll have to come back next month to get the information. Uh, Shawnee Mission Northwest robotic, robotic Team went to the world competitions held in Houston this month. The 13-member team was named first place winner at the Heartland Regional First Competition, which earned them a slot in the world contest. This is the world contest. The team also participated in the FRC Iowa Regional Competition and won the Design Award. Their sponsors include Shawnee Mission School District, the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation, Cruz, Blue Scope, Garmin, uh, Bikini Software. Sarah Fredrickson serves, uh, serves as the team sponsor. And again, stay tuned to how they did at the World Competition. Shawnee Mission West defended their state economics title and for the second year, uh, for the second consecutive year, they secured a first place finish in the Kansas Economic Challenge Advanced Division. Noah Grumman was the top individual competitor. We recognize that name for sure. And Matt Wolf in the econo uh, is the economics teacher who teaches AP macroeconomics. Sunny Mission shows strength as we always have over the last several years in STEM competitions in the Greater Kansas City Science and Engineering Fair which was one of Kansas City's biggest e academic events. There were elementary, middle, and high school students from our district that took home multiple honors. More than 75 students from across the district were honored for their work. Shawnee Mission uh, students also acclaimed the Pioneers in Science Honors and the Grand Awards at the fair. Two Shawnee Mission seniors were named among the top five seniors Rachel Silverstein and Aaron Smith, both in our biotechnology signature program. Silverstein and Smith 
were awarded with two of the three grand award presentations at the fair. Incredible honors for incredible work. This program is led by Brenda Buck. District Culinary Arts and Hospitality Signature Program were recognized at the 2018 ProStart Invitational for their talent in culinary and managerial work. In culinary category, students earned a third place recognition overall out of 19 teams. The team was also recognized for the best pork dish and received a perfect score for the appetizer. In the managerial category, the team placed fourth out of nine teams. For this competition, students created a business plan with marketing and operations strategies. The teams included Phil Swearingen, Roger Akers, Amit Israeli, Alan Pupito, and Sophie Smith, uh, Andrew Nauman, Reese Miller, and Elisa Jordan. Congratulations to those students. Back to the elementary, Rustin fifth graders celebrate Arbor Day. Um, Afan Asari, a fifth grade at Rushton Elementary, earned a first place in the Kansas-wide contest to create artwork for, Arbor Day, for an Arbor Day poster. This is the first time a student from the City of Mission has won the state contest. As first place winner, um, Afan will travel to Topeka in April, where he will plant a tree with the governor. And finally, while the health clinic at Marion Park's been open for several months, we recently celebrated the success with an official ribbon cutting ceremony. The clinic is provided in collaboration with Health Partnership Clinic and it provides opportunities for students to receive health care for sick and well visits on Tuesdays and for behavioral health visits on Wednesday. The clinic will be open all summer and can perform annual physicals. The ribbon cutting ceremony was attended by several uh, local officials and was sponsored by the Northeast Johnson County Chamber of Commerce. Um, very excited to be able to provide that service to our students. Um, and this is not just in the Marion Park area. This is across um, all of the area of Johnson County. So we're very happy to host that at Marion Park. And now it's time for us to uh, introduce the All Means All-Star Award winners. And to get us started, I'd invite John McKinney to come forward. He's going to introduce our first All Means All-Star for the evening. Good evening, cabinet members and board members, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you for giving me an opportunity to introduce an incredible member of the Shawnee Mission team. For the past 13 years, Stephanie Blackmer has dedicated herself to providing exceptional service to the families of Shawnee Mission East, maintaining thousands of student records with concern for accuracy and attention to detail. She consistently demonstrates a personal interest in each and every student. From the moment she welcomes a new family at enrollment to the day she submits a senior's final transcript when they graduate, she is professional, efficient, and has an incredible eye for detail. Most importantly, she loves working with young people and helping them see the fruition of their efforts. Stephanie is a registrar at Shawnee Mission East and is an essential part of the East community. And as she is retiring this year, she will be missed tremendously. Thank you, Stephanie, for your hard work, your commitment to students, and the staff of Shawnee Mission East. You are and always will be an all-means-all all-star. 
Well, Stephanie is an important and integral part, I believe, to our building. She does a really nice job with transcripts and making sure that we're following all the procedures and, and policies, and she always does it with a smile. Stephanie is uh, very personable, and that's one thing we hear from a lot of parents and students is she's so easy to work with. She has a great sense of humor, and you find that present in a lot of, of her daily interactions with not just students and parents, but also with staff. Well, she gives. Uh, she gives to the kids. She gives to the community. She gives back to the school. If there's a way to get involved and to help out, Stephanie will, will do it. Um, and do it very well and so um, I think that what she does often goes um, unnoticed but it's definitely not um, as far as I'm concerned unnoticed she's an outstanding member of our of our team she's quick to respond to whatever you need she usually knows what we need before we even ask her she said oh you're talking about this or what you need is that and she always seems to know I am going to miss the people that I work with. I enjoy the people very much, and the kids are awesome. The kids are just great here. But I'm looking very forward to helping my daughter and my son-in-law out with their little boy, who is three and a half. He'll be four in June, and I'm looking forward to being his Nina. Stephanie's family is the most important thing to her. Her grandchildren especially. Um, I've seen lots of cute pictures of her grandchildren, and they mean the world to her. She's given us a lot of her time, and now her family deserves to have that time with her. I am saddened to see her go, um, and she's leaving some big shoes to fill, that's for sure. Congratulations, Stephanie. You deserve this award. We're really going to miss you. Congratulations, Stephanie. We're proud of you. Thank you for all you've done for East, for our students, and for our community, and good luck in the future. Congratulations, Stephanie. I can't believe you're leaving me, but I wish you the best, and you know that, and I'll miss you tremendously. Stephanie is joined this evening by her husband, Mike, her daughter, Melissa, and her friend, Carolyn, and her husband. So, Stephanie, congratulations. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> now, I just want to say thank you. It was very nice. It was very nice. And I've really enjoyed my time at East. The last 13 years have been quite memorable. And I will miss everybody I've worked with, but I will also enjoy spending time with my grandson and all my other grandchildren. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in my life. Thank you very much. Congratulations. And uh, would I ask Jennifer Williver to come forward, principal at Roseland, and she'll introduce our next recipient. Evening. I am thrilled to be here tonight. Um, our All Means All Star goes to Michelle Pittman, and Michelle Pittman is our instructional coach at Roseland Elementary. I could go on and on, but I don't want to lose thunder from the video this evening. But I got to tell you, Michelle facilitates our professional learning communities. She knows how to effectively integrate technology. She knows how to do our curriculum initiatives in a positive, collaborative way. She's also has a knack for a Project Lead the Way. She's done so much at Roseland, and I have to tell you, um, she works a lot behind the scenes, and I know she's nervous tonight as well, but um, it is greatly appreciated. I know um, on behalf of myself, um, Roseland Elementary, and Shawnee Mission School Di District, we want to thank you for all your efforts and dedication. So thank you, Michelle, and congratulations. 
Look at Bella. Bella didn't use addition. What did she use? Minus. She used subtraction. I'll do that. Whenever I think of Michelle, I think automatically she's a team player. I don't know. Draw me a picture. What's your picture going to look like? That's our D. She does it all. There's nothing Michelle doesn't tackle. <laughs> she just works with a variety of people, and whenever I know Michelle's got it, I know she's going to take it above my expectations and do what the job is needed. She truly is an all-star. She is always there for the kids. So half means there's how many parts? Two. Quarters means there's how many parts? Now take your sandwich and make it into quarters. She gets personal with them. She's not up standing in front of the room. She's down on their level working with them. She's up moving around. She's doing anything she can to get them excited about what they're learning. And the kids love to see her in the classroom. She's really good at basically everything. That's basically what she is, a great teacher. She does a great job of really making each student feel like they are special here at Roseland. I just remember feeding off of the energy that she had and it made me want to be a better teacher. I think it's great to have both of us in the classroom because she might see things that I don't see. Just working together makes it more cohesive. We're able to meet the kids even better in the classroom because we can split them up into smaller groups and figure out what they need and differentiate easier. I think Michelle um, works really hard and I'm glad that she's got this honor because sometimes that individual behind the scenes doesn't get that credit and she really deserves it and she is a big part of why we um, are doing so great and our day-to-day -day operations seem to be running smooth. Um, she's just really established a great um, relationship with her administrator, with her colleagues and just very proud of her and I'm really glad that she has this honor and can be recognized by the Board of Ed. They kind of edited my joke. Uh, Michelle's on ID badge number seven. As you can tell, she's all over the place, so sometimes that gets lost. But Michelle, I don't want to embarrass you, but I, like, I, I got to say, she does so much than what a job description can actually define. So Michelle Pittman and her husband as well is here this evening. So go ahead and stand up, Michelle. Thank you again. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny, for nominating me for this. And really, it's, I feel like it's an honor that I was given this award, but really it's everyone else that helps me maybe seem so great. But everyone is just wonderful at Roseland, even in Shawnee Mission. And the best part of my job, I think, is that I don't just work with kids in the classroom, but I work with students and teachers and the entire staff. And so um, it's just kind of what you do, I feel like, here at Shawnee Mission is Everyone is all, and that's what we do. So I appreciate for the nomination. Thank you. And that concludes my report. Thank you. And with that, we'll move to agenda letter C. And uh, the first item is number one. Dr. Southwick, would you like to tee up Dr. Atha? Yes, Dr. Atha is here tonight to talk a little bit we actually have several presentations that will dovetail together uh, information. Uh, Dr. Ather is going to talk a little bit about Senate Bill 423 and what the impact is on the Shawnee Mission School District. Before we start, I have to give um, a lot of credit to a lot of people in the room, but, but mainly to Dr. Ather because he has led the charge for the Shawnee Mission School District in contact with a lot of the people that are in the room tonight. 
um, making sure that we had the right platform in place and we had the right communication in place. So, Dr. Atha, in support of, of myself, but also all of the district and all of our students, I want to thank you for your efforts tonight. Mr. Stratton, um, members of the Board of Education, Dr. Southwick, I, I regret that my report is going to report some gloom and doom to you this evening as I share with you the impact of substitute for Senate Bill 423 on the Shawnee Mission School District. Uh, I have only one slide, and the slide pretty much tells it all. <clears throat> I'm going to share with you the problem that that we're facing. But at the end, anytime someone comes and talks to me that has a problem, I always ask them to bring a solution with that problem. And I'm going to behave no differently this evening, and I'm going to share with you a, a solution or a remedy to this problem. But looking at the slide, I, I want to uh, you to fo First of all, I want to say that all of this information on this slide comes directly from the Kansas State Department of Education website. So they're coming directly off of Dale Dennis, uh, the deputy commissioner's uh, runs that he presents the legislature and makes available for the public to see. I'd like to draw your attention to House Bill 2445 that was presented to the legislature for their review in January. Um, and in that bill, we would have gotten additional revenue of $2,565,827 in general state aid. And special ed st state aid we would have received an additional one point, little over $1.9 million for a total of $4,470,286. Now, the next two comparisons is the bill, sub-bill, Senate Bill 423 as intended, and then finally sub-bill, uh, Senate Bill 423 as passed. As intended, in state aid, we would have gained $2,391,167 in additional revenue. Again, the special ed state aid would have remained the same at $1.9 million. For a total additional amount of revenue of $4,295,626. Here's where the problem comes. Late in the evening, as our legislators were working hard on this bill to pass it, there was an amendment brought before them. And it became a part of the bill that was passed. I don't know how else to put it, but this was devastating to the Shawnee Mission School District. In the general state aid, we lost $2,135,845. Special ed stayed the same, state aid at $1.9 million. So for an overall revenue loss of $231,386. Here's a key point. The LOB came into play here. And in sub-bill 
423 as passed, they repealed, this amendment repealed the state statute, Kansas state statute 7251-44, that allowed districts to use the greater of the amount of special education state aid received in the current year or in year 2008-9. 2008-9 is what your district, our district uses to calc calculate our LOB authority. This change in the law, this repeal of this state statute cost us $1.8 million of local funding, not state funding, but local funding, money that is generated here in the Shawnee Mission School District. So when you add the 231,000 onto the 1.8 million, you see a loss of $2,056,320. Again, I don't know how else to put this, but that it's devastating. If you look at if the bill had been passed as intended, we'd have gained that 4295000 If you put that with the negative $2 million, that's a $6.3 million <coughs> swing. Folks, I don't know how to explain this to our Shawnee Mission School District patrons. The legislators are appropriating over $500 million over the next five years. And in the first year, if this stands, we will lose two million. OJ had a remedy. Here it is. As a remedy, I would recommend that our legislature develop a trailer bill to Senate Bill 423 that would restore the school finance formula to resemble House Bill 2445. This would repeal the reclassification of 15% of the LOB to the general fund and reinstate the special education grandfather clause. With that said, I'm gonna recommend that you hold your questions until Dr. Little is able to give his legislative update and then I'll be glad to step back up to the mic and answer any questions that you may have. But Dr. Little, may answer some of those questions in his presentation. Thank you, Dr. Little. Hello, it's happy to be here. Uh, Stuart Little with Little Government Relations in Topeka. When the session starts, it's cold and we all run in with our coats and it's warm in here. And then now the session's just about over and we're all sweaty and hot and wanna be outside. So I will cover a bit of this issue. This. I'm going from the report that is published on the website uh, that I submitted that right before the governor signed the bill and those kind of things. So it, it does list the issues that are in the, the legislation. I'll talk a little bit about what's happened in the last week, hit some of the highlights and give you some explanation for kind of the options that exist now, what the circumstances and situation are. I'll be happy to answer any questions. The bill was signed on the 17th by the governor and it was essentially the Senate plan had added about $500 million over five years. The House plan had added $500 million over five years. The Senate plan had added 300 or 275 million and eventually through the course of uh, after a failed efforts at a conference committee the the house 
took their bill, picked up two components from the Senate bill policy issues, and basically put it together, stuck it in a Senate bill, ran it over to the House uh, and or to the Senate, and the Senate was uh, had a motion to concur on it, and, and they did so. What's what is important to keep in mind here is that the bill, the bill as it exists, does many of the things that we talked about in your legislative platform and the things that we dealt with throughout the legislative session. It adds 500 million, 530 million dollars over five years if you count the 190 that's already in for the next year in the budget. Uh, that number goes up and then it goes into the CPI level. It does make an effort to start moving up to fully fund special education, adds about $100 million a year into the base state aid per pupil, and then uh, it has all of the equity fixes that the Supreme Court asked for in the Gannon 5 decision in terms of reversal, making those, those changes, the 10% um, at-risk floor, the, the way some of the counts were done, it has the fix for the, the transportation formula in the bill so that those, those issues, issues are addressed. And so it contains all of those components. Um, what, what was the, the, the problematic issue, as, as Dr. Atha described, was when the bill was put together in the process on the, the you know, 36 hours from the deadline before the session ends, is that um, the, the, the bill was put together and cobbled together without being seen in its totality, without going through a hearing process, without having significant time for anyone anywhere to review and evaluate the impact of it, and that probably included the State Department of Education as well. And so the, that's, that's how it goes sometimes at the end of the legislative session, and, and we're all aware of that. So the bill pass, passes, the problem becomes public. Um, I, I think when, when people started reading what was handed out on the floor and we got to see the first look at amendment, there were light bulbs going off that things didn't look right because base state aid per pupil were changing and those kind of things. But that, that wasn't going to stop, I think, what was happening in that, that evening. So basically the bill takes and, and does a number of things, the, the, the negative portions of the bill do a couple of things. It takes a portion of the local option budget, 15%, and counts it as what is contributed to the base so that can in, inflate the base that the court would see. This is how much we're spending. Look and see it's 15% higher than you thought. Well, it's not new money. It's just relabeling some local funding, uh, and it appears to add that money in. It also it make, makes the, the change in the calculation of the local option budget budget that uh, Dr. Atha described. So that issue's there. It was known when the governor signed it. It was, it was, it was out there pretty quickly, uh, and folks were aware of it. And so the governor went ahead and signed it, said that he wanted to have a fix, and that's what we're going to do. There are a couple of challenges now as we talk about how to respond to this and, and, uh, and what it means for the end of the session. Uh, there are a couple of issues to keep in mind. Last Friday, consensus revenue estimates were made, and the state anticipates receiving at least $534 million over the next two fiscal years. I'll be honest with you, the last, the, when you, uh, I'm surprised no one's asked the Department of Revenue what their backlog is, because they have, for years now, have had a tremendous backlog, and particularly with 
380 plus thousand LLC entities filing taxes for the first time in four years. I expect nothing but for that number to go up, frankly, and I think it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out about the 10th of July when the, the books are closed on the fiscal year, what the final revenue situation is. But that, has, and I'm going to talk politics. I don't normally talk politics. I tell you kind of what's going on, but this has an impact on what's going to happen when the legislature comes back on Thursday. The bill in the House had some conservatives who voted for it because of some of the things that were in the amendment, inflating the count to try to convince the court. If we're going to go back and fix that, are we going to lose votes? The bill passed in the Senate and the House with a minimum number of votes, 63. It passed in the House with or in the Senate with a minimum number of 21. Do we lose votes if that if that fix goes in? The second issue, and some of those folks also want to vote on a constitutional amendment, and nobody knows if that's going to happen or not. It won't pass, but there are people that want to go on the record and having a vote to do that. So that's one. There, there were in the in the House uh, folks that tried to add additional funding, either in special ed or to the base over uh, over the next few years to add that in, and then didn't vote for the bill because it didn't add those resources. So the question becomes, if you're going to lose some vote somewhere, how are you going to pick up other votes to fill that bucket up to get back to 63? In the Senate, every one of the Democrats in the Senate voted for the bill to pass it out of the Senate to get them the 21 votes. And the issue becomes, if you've got revenue on the table, a half a billion dollars, who wants to have a conversation about adding some more money, fully funding special ed, any of those kind of components? What does that mean for the passage of the bill in the Senate? So it gets tricky about some circumstances there. Uh, the, the, the question of what to do is, number one, is there a technical solution that you can fix the component? I'm not... You, I will not use the word error to describe what happened, but if you can, can, if there's technical ways to fix the problems in the bill, those that's one avenue to go down, and there are people that want to go that way. The other one is to completely take those components out and make and, and that that were added in that Dr. Aitha described about the LOB and then the 15% swap. There, that's a conversation that I think uh, many members of the legislature are engaged in right now and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I have talked with both ch people in both chambers about the plan, and I think the general consensus has been that we need to just strip those provisions out. But again, you've got to get to 63 and 21 to make that happen. Um, I think the goal is to not try to fix things, but to repeal it. We start to run into this kind of the second set of issues besides having revenue out there is timing. The legislature goes back on Thursday. They have an eight-day session, and that's it. They have to go home on the 4th of May, and, and that's the end. It is collapsed because of maneuvering at the end of the session and trying to get uh, as little time as possible, frankly, uh, for things to get done. So the session's going to be very brief. There's not going to be a lot of time. Normally, between they also have a budget bill to do out there and those kind of things, so those are both out there. Uh, so timing is going to be an issue. The briefs to the Supreme Court are due on Monday, three days after the session starts, and so they're supposed to have those turned in by Monday and proceed with the the, the Gannon the review by the Supreme Court of the Gannon decision. Two things have happened 
yesterday or the two days ago the attorney general when he gave the bill that the governor had signed to the supreme court said that we'd like to uh, extend the filing deadline for the briefs <coughs> on the on the adequacy portion until the 10th of may we'll do equity on the 30th but we want to do adequacy <coughs> on the 10th so that we can uh, see what the legislature does to make this fix make it whole and then we can have the that argument and, and delay the court didn't have any response to that yet and then just this afternoon the plaintiffs in the lawsuit uh, filed a request with the court that they delay filing a briefs not not delay oral arguments and, and those deadlines but to delay filing briefs because the 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 plaintiffs uh, argument was that um, they haven't fixed it yet they haven't fixed the bill will they have time to do it in this amount of time the current solution that is the law violates what they believe to be don't mess with equity if you're going to try to get to adequacy and so they're essentially the plaintiffs are essentially saying that that there is no solution yet and Monday's your deadline so we've got to put that off so the court is going to have a conference call with the attorneys from all parties tomorrow morning and talk about what they'll do with an they'll, they'll essentially do oral argument and a conference call and then have a decision by Wednesday what is that? today the day after then Wednesday about how they will proceed but right now it's the 30th I suspect well, who knows? I think the legislature had plenty of warnings about the, what the time frames were, so it'll be curious to see what the, the court <coughs> says. So for, for me as your, your representative working with the members of our delegation is that we supported the bill as it fit both the, the equity and the adequacy fix that we had, had talked about and had in our legislative platform. And we did that when it came in because we were doing emails and making sure that everybody knew where we were at the time. And that was before we knew the issues in the bill in the same way probably some people that voted for it didn't know. We didn't know exactly what was in there, but we were supportive of the legislation. Uh, we were not aware of those issues that were in the bill, the one amendment that went in. And there were some questions about some policy components and that were in the bill that, that we had, but we did uh, encourage our delegation to, to support it. And so as we get back into the, the, the legislative session here to, to wrap up these next eight days, you know, our, my direction has been to support the bill and work on that. And I think that uh, assuming that there is an effort to remove, completely remove those amendments that had these negative impacts on our funding and, and our ongoing funding, that, uh, that this bill is still acceptable with those uh, provisions removed, but probably nothing less than this is acceptable as they go forward. I can talk a little bit about some of the other policy issues. The school safety bill is still out there. That may be the only other thing that's kind of moving. I have a brief list of bills that are, that are still technically alive, but I think this is going to consume the time and energy, so you can read about those if you'd like, but I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. Well, thank you for the update, and I'll have Dr. Atha come up as well to first see if uh, our board has any questions here. I am going to ask a favor of the board as we begin to ask these questions and, and to put a frame around it. And for our students that are here, perhaps under Amer American government class or other civics uh, responsibilities, <clears throat> today what we're talking about is the legislative piece. As you alluded to, there will be eventual consideration of the court. I guess what I'll ask is that our conversation stay with the legislative piece and not presuppose what the court may or may not do. Um, I think the idea is that we've got a signed bill at this point, and we've talked about the effects of that signed bill. So I turn to our board to see if there's questions about what I would call Dr. Ace's solutions, or in my terms, what's next. <laughs> questions? Bowsley. 
I have a question, or just a request. Would you explain some of the issues with regards to the loss of the um, veto override ability there, that negotiation at the end, just so folks understand what happened with that? Normally, when the legislature comes back for the end of the legislative session, they pass a resolution that says, we're coming back on this date, and we're going to meet. And normally, you then have what is called sine die, which means without a day, which is the last official day of the legislative session. And it's set usually... 40, 30, 45 days out from when you come back for the veto session. So the legislature can take all the time they need, do whatever they need to do, and then if the governor vetoes anything, then you've got the requisite 14 days, I guess, to, 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 for the governor to veto something. If anything is vetoed, then when the legislature comes back at sine die, they can override a veto. It has happened before. That's part of the process. So that any, because that's a natural check and balance we have. The legislature passes something. The governor can veto things he wants to take out, and there can be a, a motion to override. And that is historically in my 25 years of working in the legislature, that's always how it's been structured. And I'm sure if we had somebody look at it, it'd be that way forever, for the most part, without some rare occasion. They had, the Senate passed a resolution that had the, the, the veto session begin, the rapid session begin on the 26th, and it had sine die on the 4th. And they passed that resolution and then went on to debate uh, their, their tax bill, I believe, and they spent their time debating their tax bill or onto the education bill, as this was within the last couple of hours of the legislative session, and the, the House passed a bill that had the veto back, come back on the 26th, and then I think sine die was the 25th of May or something way out there like we normally do, and then the Senate continued their debate, and then we're never, within the time allowed, we're never able to, the clock stopped at midnight at the end of the regular session, they were never allowed to do that. So I can't discern for you exactly why the Senate did such a short time frame. What it does do is it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on people to get things done and get out, number one. It gives a tremendous amount of authority to the governor to be able to be in charge of whatever may come out of it. Because, of course, we have a line item veto, so you can literally take words out if you want to do that. Uh, and so it leaves those issues on the table. But it, it, is, it is a very unusual move to have the time frame structured like that. And the, the implications are, are significant. You could... Uh, have uh, you know a bill out there that could get taken apart and you'd never have a chance to come back and review it. Although the legislature may well be back later in the summer too. So, questions from board members? Yes, Reverend Guy. Um, Dr. Atha used the term "devastated" to describe the effect of this as passed on our district. I think that's an accurate term. Are there other districts in Kansas who are similarly affected? That's a difficult question because I, I think the two million number to us is devastating. But for smaller districts, 105,000 or 150,000 might be devastating to them because of their budget and where they stand. But I believe there's four or five school districts out there that that are hurting uh, in reference to the way they calculate their special ed LOB. I think they use the 2008-9 number like we do. Uh, so there are others, but I would say certainly in the dollar amount, it hit us the hardest. Yes, Mrs. Owsley. I, I just want to ask one more question. Um, so it's my understanding that the amendment that had the LOB changes in it had been brought previously and had not passed out of committee. 
So I'm unclear on what the error is with regards to like it being either was it a technical error or was I mean it seems like the amendment did what it was intended to do even if it, the understanding was not clear what it did. So is the error just a misunderstanding of what it did or was there something in addition to that like a copy paste error or something else that had occurred? Um, well, the two components of the of the the bill, the removal of the the, the LOB section number one, and then the um, uh, the addition of the fifteen percent local budget issue, local option funding counted as state aid essentially, um, were two separate concepts that had both existed as pieces of legislation uh, previously in prior years. Uh, the the fifteen percent. A component had been offered as legislation last year as an independent bill and then twice in the House Education K-12 Education Committee had been offered as amendments onto 2445 <coughs> and was rejected soundly by everybody. I don't even know there was a vote the second time it was offered. But it had not been part of what anybody wanted to add into the bill. And then uh, the, the, the taking away the LOB authority was uh, something that had uh, had been discussed before because it has what people call the false base, being able to still calculate the LOB at the 4490 rate, which along with the special ed calculation was done in 2008 when we were in free fall and their budget was getting cut and we were trying to peg numbers at a level that would help all school districts so they would continue to be able to, to, to use those, those figures as we went through the recession. And so both of, none, neither one of those concepts were new. And so the act of adding the 15% base had to be an affirmative act of people sitting in a room putting some, saying this needs to go into the bill. I'm not sure how putting 71, whatever the 72, 51, 44 would end up in that pile of a document unless it was affirmatively added in as well. Yes, Mrs. Mack. I don't know. I'm going to try and make this into a question. <laughs> Um, this is the first of five years, correct? If this bill is allowed to stay in the court, doesn't say anything. Is that correct? Yes. And Dr. Atha, I think you said that the direction right now is for us to, the remedy, you have a remedy, but your direction right now is to try and get a, the trailer bill passed to remedy the error. Is that correct? I'm recommending that the legislature introduce a trailer bill that would resolve this issue. Um, I, I just, I really, um, really did want to make more of a comment than a question. I really hope that the patrons that are here tonight that are listening stay and listen to the budget considerations when you hear how devastating this is to our district. Um, to actually have this much of a tax increase go through, to have these monies not come into our district when Johnson County supplies so much of the taxation to the state and to have our own local monies, which are local voters voted that we should have for our district. This is absolutely devastating. That was a perfect word for it. Um, and I, I guess that I would kind of toss it and say, ask about the trailer bill and if we're going to have a, a question about that later on. We will. Great. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll turn to Dr. Sinclair just well, a second. Can you finish your... What I was going to say that uh, 
In most circumstances, when we have our updates from Dr. Little and Dr. Atha, the legislators are busy at work in Topeka. Um, this time they happen to be here, and I almost get the feeling that they're saying to themselves, we're right here, we can hear you. <laughs> um, and so with that, we will give the opportunity to turn to them if they have provided a, a formal solution as well, perhaps a trailer bill that's already written. Okay, which, okay so that, that was essentially my question then is, you know, whether Dr. Aether, Dr. Little, or our legislators in the House, it seems we have a number of critical stakeholders here who can help get us to a solution. Mm -hmm. We have a number of players in here that might help contribute to that role, whether board members or patrons, voting, voting members of the constituents here. So um, what I kind of asked that to legislators, to Dr. Little, to Dr. Aether, what can we do as a um, community to help find resolution, whether it's a trailer bill or if there are other options. Can I ask this then? If a legislator has something they'd like to do, they'd raise their hand. <laughs> I see someone already has raised their hand. So Representative Rooker, if you'd like to step forward, if you've got uh, a solution to uh, our problem. Thank you very much. And my name is Melissa Rooker, and I live in Fairway and represent the 25th District. Bill draft, trailer bill exists that addresses exactly this problem. The first section restores the language of 72-5144. The rest of the bill strips out those provisions that cause that devastation, just cleans it out and restores the LOB to the conditions that it, it should be in the, the, the version the court last entertained, the version that was in 2445 with the appropriate equity fixes as directed by the court. I would consider this the safe harbor version of what we need to go back to do. I don't try and in this bill draft, I haven't addressed any of the other types of concerns that exist and I have a lot of respect for my colleagues and I know we will have a robust conversation when we get back about funding levels, ending balances, uh, all of those things, CAPERS payments that, that we owe and um, you know, should the state keep an ending balance as opposed to running our resources to zero, um, would it help school districts to have mental health funding improved you know, outside the K-12 budget. There are a wealth of, of conversations, but this is the emergency, and this is what this bill draft does. I have um, the official runs from the Department of Education that prove the language that is in this bill will work to get us back at least to the middle column to the 4295. Um, as the author of 2445, I wish we were at mm -hmm. the, the far right column or beyond and, and again, stand ready to have those conversations. But um, what, I, what I will tell you, there are a couple questions that I think I can shed some light on. First of all, there are 88 districts in the state who were affected by the repeal of 72-5144, the, the provision that allows the grandfather. Dr. Atha characterized it correctly. In raw dollars, Shawnee Mission is hit the hardest. But I, I haven't taken the time to calculate percent of budget to see if there is a, a, a correlation in other districts to the devastation that, that the repeal of that clause causes. I do believe that was part of the package with this um, LOB scheme, as I have taken to calling it, um, because it included the false 
the, the artificial base number, the calculator that was allowed when budgets were cut so deeply in 2009, we were, we, the statute was, was put in place that allows, <coughs> has allowed ever since districts to calculate their local option budget levy based on the artificial base number that was the goal that we were supposed to get to as a state in the Montoy case. So 4490 has been your multiplier to calculate your percent of budget as if you were receiving that base aid as, as the starting point. I think the author of this provision felt like if the artificial, the effective base that the calculation created by counting 15% of LOB as part of your base aid figure per pupil, he created a statewide average dollar amount and inflated the base and it exceeded the number of the, of the multiplier that that provision provided. So I think his feeling was that provision was no longer necessary, so it should be repealed. However, full repeal of the statute wasn't necessary because the second clause of it is the grandfather allowing the, the additional calculation using the 2008 and 9 special education funding levels if that were the greater amount. So that, that was the local option afforded to you all to decide which version to use. So I do think all of that was part of the mechanics of, of putting this provision in place. I will also tell you that this, this apparently was never tested with the Department of Education. So where I've never brought forward a proposal that I haven't gone to Dale Dennis and the department and said, can you calculate and, and do an official run to show the effect statewide? Um, the maker of this particular p component apparently never did that. It took Dale, I, over the, he, he, I think it was sometime late Saturday night. We, we did our work before lunchtime on Saturday in the house, and it was much later Saturday when he discovered there was a problem. But I was in his office Monday at 4 o'clock when he finally identified what, where and what was, was actually causing the problem. And so I can tell you at this at five o'clock tonight, they don't have, those folks that still would like to preserve the policy and try and fix it, put the Band-Aid on it and repair it, still have not come up with the language that actually works and does that. So they are going through gyrations trying to create that version, but it, I, I would hope that as a delegation that we can get behind actual repeal of, of this provision and the restoration of the terms as intended. Thank you. Do, do any board members have any clarifying questions on the trailer bill that Representative Rooker has brought forward? And I'll put a preface on it that we're going to offer up any other representative that might have a, a bill as well to be able to bring that forward in just a minute. Um, and secondly, I think it's going to be the purview of the legislature to debate the bill. So we'll let them do the debating part, but any clarifying questions <laughs> we might have would, would be great. So with that, I'll turn to anyone who has a clarifying question. Thank you very much for your bill and for the work that you've been doing on behalf of our district. We certainly appreciate it. Yes, Senator Boyer. <coughs> Thank you for recognizing me, Mr. Stratton, and nice to be here to all of you. I'm Senator Barbara Boyer. I represent District 7. 
State line, Metcalf, 47th Street, 99th Street, essentially. I have been in the legislature. This is my ninth year, many of which have been on Education Committee, some in the House and now in the Senate, and on the Education Bill-Producing Committee for the Senate side. All I want to add to what Representative Rooker had to say, one, all that's ready on her end is ready on our end as well. The likelihood that the Senate will get the bill first is pretty close to zero. So what happens, you all know about the infamous gut and go, but that will be used to put, or theoretically could be and very likely will be, whatever the House passes will get put into a Senate, what we call a shell, just will have the number on top of a bill that's already passed the Senate side, and then it will go back over to the Senate, which means we only get an up or down vote. We will not have the process available to us to amend. That is the most likely scenario, just to be clear. But if it isn't the scenario, we're ready with language already being drafted, will be ready for whatever day they plan to bring it. I do want to be clear to everyone, it's possible now, once you have to open a bill back up, a fix can go on, a lowering or a raising of the amount of money can go on, anything is possible if you have 6321, and then it's up to the governor to add that one more one. So there's no way to even know what might come, because there are a lot of different legislators out there. We will do our best. We know your policy stances for what you're hoping for. We hope and pray that this can get changed, i.e. eliminated. For me, I want to be clear, if we can't get a good enough fix, I will be a no vote. I would rather it go to the court and be thrown out then us be devastated that way. It still may pass, but I, I, I love us. I love our children, and I, I just want to be clear. So, Thank you very much. We appreciate the update as well from the Senate side of the House. Yes, Mrs. Mack. What, I mean, we don't know because we're like, really? <laughs> I mean, so what you said was, what you said about safe harbor, and now what you're saying, you don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how to articulate to our patrons how to help you all, how to find out what's best. And so um, as we go forward, I'm looking forward to those conversations, the work that you all are doing, because we, you know, it wasn't as much as we would really need, and yet we're going to take what we can get. I mean, it, it truly comes down to that, right? I fully understand that. It's, people have no idea how difficult, difficult it is to get anything passed ever, mm -hmm. let alone even in just committee. So that's the mess of making law, and it, that's how it's set up. But we always, I believe, are trying to do our best, and we have different ideas about what best is and what that entails. And we don't even know yet what a trailer bill will have in it. Or we know nothing, and that is up to the Speaker of the House, the Majority Leader in the House, Speaker, 
and, and president on the Senate side and their relationships, which are very strained right now, <laughs> to come up with the plan. Thank you very much. Thank we you. appreciate it. Are there any other legislators that uh, have a, a solution in their back pocket that they'd like to bring forward to, uh, to offer up as well as a uh, conversation? Yes, Representative Lusk. The representative <clears throat> who brought this monster amendment to the bill has had a history, a pattern of introducing legislation that specifically harms Sharn emission. And it's very frustrating. And um, I, what's really frustrating at this point is I've heard that the speaker, that even with this huge blow up, he hasn't lost credibility, total credibility with the speaker of the house. And I would suggest everyone call Ron Reichman, Speaker of the House, and complain about this situation because the rumor is the Speaker still wants to maintain the relabeling of the local money that has been local money and relabeling it so that uh, it's now considered part of the state's contribution even though it's the exact same amount of money, it's just a shell game. That, and uh, I guess the Speaker likes that part, I don't know. It, it's not, it, the court's not going to fall for it. It's an obvious trick. Um, so it's not, it doesn't do anything. I, I wish the, just, I, I like uh, Representative Rooker's approach of, uh, you know, just stripping it out and being done with it and moving on is what I would recommend. And um, it will be somewhat tricky to get it um, passed out. There were some legislators who, weren't happy even with the other two preferable, um, you know, situations that are that Dr. Asa put up there, uh, because they're probably they probably still aren't constitutional, and there probably will be amendments offered to remedy that when the trailer bill comes up. Whether or not they'll pass, I don't know. But when we're back for special session, I'll think they'll have a pretty good <laughs> chance. Uh, and um, those are, one of them is called the Trimmer Bill, um, named after Representative Trimmer. But it would be beneficial to Shawnee Mission. Uh, it would increase the base state aid to $4,425 and the whole total finance formula by 123, and that would mean an additional $11 million for Shawnee Mission. And another possible amendment that may be coming is to put money into the IDEA Act, the Individuals with Disability Act, the federal government only pays 18% of the, the expense. Our state is supposed to fund the remaining 92% by law, but and currently it only covers, I think, about 78%. So, but if we were to do that, it would be beneficial to Charlie Mission. It would be an extra 3.6 million, and then and if that filled the plugged our hole on special ed, then we could spend then the money we've been using to make up that difference from operation funds could be shifted back. So those are things to think about. It will be um, tricky because there are other needs that have gone unfunded for many years, um, and and even with the higher returns on the ending balances. Um, there will still be folks watching out for those. It does change the conversation, though, somewhat to have the ending balances coming out higher than expected. And I don't know. We'll just have to figure it out. One thing to keep in mind is 
A12, funding K-12, is a primary duty of the state according to the state constitution. And so in terms of the hierarchy of needs right now, we do first need to get out of this situation with the courts and, and, uh, and make our funding constitutional and then hopefully we can address some of the other needs of the state too. Um, I think things are looking pretty good that we can cover a lot of those and without a tax increase. So we just need to get the votes and move it along. Thank you. Thank you for your perspective. You. We appreciate it. With that, we'll wrap up this section here. Again, I want to uh, reiterate uh, the appreciation for Dr. Aith and Dr. Little, uh, the many hours, uh, especially for Dr. Aitha, back and forth to Topeka. We certainly appreciate you representing us there and Dr. Little on the ground as well. If it's germane to this, please. Oh, it would be on that. Piece. Mr. Stratton, uh, yes. can I make a comment before we move on, and I'll be very quick? Okay, go ahead. Um, we, I was quick to thank Dr. Aitha and, and the work that Dr. Little's done. Um, over the course of the session, but this is very difficult work, and this is for people that are out there that are listening. Uh, the people that represent you in Topeka in the Shawnee Mission School District have worked with the district, um, and I think their show here tonight proves that. Um, we put out an invitation, and we have a, a tremendous showing of our legislators here tonight. So I want to publicly thank them for the work that they've done all year to get us to this point. And, but also the work that you're going to do to get this thing fixed. Yeah. Um, one, one of the solutions, as we said, is to continue to communicate with you. And I want to tell you that within the next 24 to 48 hours, you should receive a statement with respect to this fix from every one of the Johnson County superintendents as a coalition um, to just one more give you an opportunity to listen to what it takes for us to to move forward. So um, thank you for the work that you've done. Um, it's very much appreciated the relationship that we have. Um, in politics, you can't always be right. And sometimes when we say something, uh, we offend one person and make another person happy, and we understand that. But uh, it doesn't mean that we take that personal. And I thank each and every one of you for being here. So. Thank you, and thank you again, Dr. Atha. And I'll reiterate that uh, the partnership that we have with our uh, elected officials at all levels, from the city, the county, the state, uh, is very important to us because in the end, we're all elected by the same people, and therefore we're all representing the same people. So we're working with you together on this, and we appreciate that partnership very much. So thank you with that, and thank you again, Dr. Atha. I'd like to add one more piece, and then I'll have you. T I wanted to make sure that uh, everyone knew that the next item that we'll be talking about is the budget considerations for the Shawnee Mission School District next year. And we wanted to make sure that that budget item or line item was on our agenda today so that you be, uh, the, the public can begin to understand the relationship between the revenue that we just talked about as well as the budget considerations that we're already in the process of looking at for next year. Dr. Atha. Before uh, Russell steps to the podium, um, I really rely on Russ to give me the most accurate numbers. Uh, no one knows more about our budget than, than Russell Knapp and uh, what it looks like. Before he steps up here, though, I'd like to make sure you hang on to these numbers. Hang on to that 4295000 that that looks like right now, unless one of the amendments 
gets traction. It looks like that's the most revenue we might have coming in. And then hang on to the two minus two million because that's the least that's that's in the hole. That's another conversation if we have a minus two million. So that sets a segue for Russell to <laughs> to step up here and talk about budget considerations that that we've broached the conversation with you as a board about many of these considerations that are out here. And some of these considerations that are out here on the table that Russ will be discussing have been brought to us by our patrons. So we're listening. So with that said, Russell? <laughs> Everyone's bringing us such good news. Go ahead, Russell. <laughs> well, good evening. Yes, so like Dr. Atha says, we're going to switch gears and kind of look at the expenditure side. Um, as you know, we start developing the budget in October, and we really don't approve it till we bring it to you in uh, August. So we cross our fingers that the funding kind of gets more concrete by that time. Um, I broke this list, uh, it's kind of small, but into two groups. Um, the top group, totals about $3.9 million. As the, the budget sits now, our first our draft of that budget, we, we have these items built into our budget, and they total about $3.9 million. Um, the first item is the health insurance. So health insurance goes on a calendar year. So what we're paying for in fiscal year 18-19 is the increase in premiums that went in effect January 1st of 2018. Certified staff, we, we have those costs occur in this year for eight months and then four months of it is in 18-19. So that dollar amount represents 757,000, represents the, the kind of the health insurance in arrears. This is what was passed January 1st. We're going to pay part of it in this year. We're going to pay the other half, uh, or not the other half, but about four months for certified, six months for classified in 1890. It's a cost that's out there. We can't avoid that. Um, the second item, transportation utilities. We built in 413000 As you know, our transportation contract is for five years. It's common that you build in an inflationary index. So it is um, set to go up 3%. So we had to increase budget for transportation costs by 3%. And then our utilities always go up. Um, we never know what that is because KCPNL, KC, they'll ask for 15% and they'll give them 6% and that happens usually in the fall. So we still don't know what that number is, but we always built in estimates for utilities. And then the, that, third, that third line, new personnel for Lenexa Hills Elementary, as you're aware, we're opening a brand new building in August and they have to be staffed. So we, and this is custodial staff and clerical staff, principal, et cetera. Um, we anticipate that being about 473000 So if you were just to add up those three lines right there, that's $1.6 million that's been added to the budget that there's really no choice but to add that. Um, so I'll just continue on. The other items that we currently have built into the budget are close to 35, and that does include the Lenexa Hills Elementary is in that number. So it's 35 total new personnel positions for a total of 2.7. The, 
The majority of that is special, edu special education teachers. As you can see, there's 10 and a half there for 784,000. Speech and language, OTPT for another close to $200,000. So those are items that have been under consideration in developmental process for the budget and is currently included in the, in the scenario that we'll probably present to you in May when we have our budget workshop. Um, the second group, budget items for consideration, they're not built in yet, but again, like Dr. Atha said, um, they, there are items that we've cost out from previous board meetings, from uh, public comments. Um, the first uh, group is just a set of factors for if we were to do a pay increase. This is common uh, information that I present to you every time when we are each year when we do negotiations. So call a movement for the certified staff. We usually budget about 500,000. It usually comes in there. That's additional education. So if they get their master's degrees plus additional uh, credit hours, they move across the salary schedule. Sorry. Um, a step for all pay groups costs us $2.3 million. And a 1% base increase for all pay groups is $1.7 million. So there's $4.5 million right there in a, sal in a pretty modest salary increase. So anytime we consider uh, salary increases, we're so large, it's a pretty substantial amount. Um, the other four items have come up, uh, again, from board meetings <laughs> and other discussions that we had in the, uh, the developmental uh, process of the budget. Social workers at each elementary school, we currently have 24. We would need nine more to get to one per elementary building. That's $702,000. Adding 34 counselors at, for each elementary building would be $2.5 million. Adding three additional counselors uh, per high school to get them back up to seven per high school would be about $1.2 million. And then the last one was... Um, to reduce uh, the teacher schedule from teaching six classes to five classes during the day. Uh, we were estimating it might be uh, 40 FTE, it could be more, it could be less, but right now that's what we're estimating, that's $2.9 million. So if you add up this total list, you're looking at $15.8 million worth of uh, budget considerations. Uh, for 1819, and in lieu of what you just heard earlier about funding, um, it has some very difficult decisions to make. Mm -hmm. Have any questions? Thank you, Mr. Knapp. Any questions from the board here? Where do we begin? Mm -hmm. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, there we go. Got my mic on. Um, I'll be a little sequential, I guess, in my question, and just start with the um, the budget. I, the items that you've included already in the budget, just to kind of recap, the, the <coughs> new personnel, that is primarily kind of in three areas, if I understand that correctly, for Lenexa Hills, mm -hmm. kind of opening that new building, um, building upon special education staffing throughout the district, mm -hmm. and then putting a principal allocating a, uh, a principal for the signature programs, the six or 700 kids who are yes. that come to school here in the building. So those are the budgeted items mm -hmm. there. Okay. Uh, and I the might special add, ed is district-wide? Yes. Yeah. And I might add that the preschool is, is probably a definite thing as well as we keep expanding 
preschool sites, and you got to have uh, staff to operate those. Okay, so four. So there's four kinds of programmatically. Four I don't know pretty if that's big areas. Word. Yes. Four big areas mm -hmm. in that eleven million dollars. Yeah. Increase. Other questions from board members. Clarifications. Um, Please go ahead, Dr. Sinclair. If okay, so I'm sorry. The uh, I just wanted to look at the differentiation between the high school and the elementary counselors. That really is about an FTE. That's not about the salary expectation is the same for high school versus elementary counselors, or is there a different? High school counselors work extra days. Okay. So that if you divide the cost out, the cost for a high school counselor is greater than an elementary counselor. Okay. Because of those extra day work. I can't remember. Yeah. Can you remember the extra number of days? I want to say it's 18 extended days. It's significant. And okay, one last question. Mm -hmm. um, stat, the budget allocations for professional development, that would remain, so it's not necessarily reflected here, but that's because it's not an, an increase in current allocations for professional development. Is that how I would read that? Just for clarification. Yeah, those items, I, did, I just kind of targeted larger items, so the professional development's already built into the budget. Okay, yeah. thank you. I just wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. Additional questions? Yes, Reverend Guy. Um, last year we did receive significant money, and, and a lot of that went to give our teachers um, a raise and compensation. But we didn't spend all of it on the teachers, so the rest of that money, how has it been spent? Has it all been spent? I assume we don't have any other well to draw from um, to pay for any of these things other than what the state is prepared to give us. We actually ended up getting about 17 million additional dollars. About 14 of that was in general state aid. We got to tack on the LOB and a few other things to get to 17 million. Our actual total salary package was more up close to 10 million for all our pay groups. Um, we added the new uh, bus company, uh, and it was a good year to do it with the additional money. Um, and I want to say that was about $2.6 million of uh, additional cost for transportation because the contract was a little bit higher. Um, there's a few more items. I can't remember off the top of my head what those are. We did add new personnel. Uh, we had special ed teachers last year as well. Um, I want to say maybe 15 in that area. We don't have that money sitting somewhere still that we no, can draw we, from. <laughs> okay. one, of the, one of the components was um, that was brand new to the waiting formula was high density at risk. That generated, we, we thought it was going to generate about 1.1 million. We, based on the headcount enrollment from 920, is more going to be like 800,000. We, <coughs> we uh, budgeted that for at risk uh, textbooks, and then we also, also added some money to the preschools for the, with the at risk preschool money. Um, Mr. Knapp, you've been here a long time. How many years have you been here? I'm on number 20. You're on number 20. So if I'm looking at these numbers, you've been here longer. Well, I've been a parent here longer, maybe. But if I'm looking at these numbers, I remember in the middle of one year, we lost $10 million in the middle of the year mm -hmm. from our budget. When I'm looking back on this, at least in the, at least the last paragraph, we used to have counselors at every elementary school. We used to have three more counselors per high school. And we used to have high school teacher schedules that they only taught five classes. 
So when I'm looking at those numbers, we're still playing catch up in a lot of ways, aren't we? Yeah, we're trying to restore some of the cuts that we made okay. um, almost probably 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll just follow up with what Patty said. Mine's a comment, not a question. But the $15 million price tag, or the 15 point, almost $8 million price tag at the end of this sheet, lines up nicely with the two amendments Representative Lusk was talking about, because those total $15 million as well. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, if we're going to fantasize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cross her fingers. <laughs> but, but it, you know, it's, I, I want to live in that world. I, I want to live, live in that, in that yeah. world. But but again, I think it's, it's I think it's important for for people to know that we're still playing catch up. We have not gotten Absolutely. even close over these last 10, 12, help me, how many years? 10 years at least. We're still Absolutely. playing catch up from when we no. got cut. I, I totally respect that. I wasn't trying to undercut yeah, that no, no, point no, no, at all. No, 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 I was I, just, we're on the same, yeah, we're yeah, on the I'm same team. Yeah, we it. catch up this year. <laughs> but, I want, but I want people to understand that, yeah. that we're still catching up. Other questions? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, I don't mean to cut off questions. I, I don't think I thanked you for preparing this information, both of you. This is, an, this is a very helpful conversation to have to frame it out like this. So thank you very much for... You're welcome. I, I would like one clarifier, and you might have said it, and I just missed it. Mm -hmm. So could you give it... It talks about additional FTE, both social workers and counselors, at 9 and at 34. Can you remind me approximately where we are currently on the FTE so that I can put that in comparison to what this addition represents? Social workers, we have 24 at the elementary level. Okay. So, so 24 currently and, and a bump We have nine. a total of 42. 24 of those are at elementary. Oh, sorry. All right. And the 9 we get you to... Uh, 33, and then we have a social worker up here that will go half-time at Lenexa Hills and then to be determined. So that will be your 34 elementaries. Okay, and then and the addition is the an FTE of adding uh, three additional counselors each of the five high schools would be the additional 15 FTE that you're talking about for the 1.2. Mm-hmm, yes. Okay. I'll say one more thing yes. just briefly as I can. Well, there is, a, a, there is one more amendment that I am aware of that was brought during the last um, debate and that will be brought again on Thursday. There is a pilot program that is putting counselors in buildings that in districts that were designated by the legislature. Um, and so the amendment would allow the State Board of Education to designate the districts that get the pilot program with the counselors in each building as opposed to having the legislature make that determination since that constitutional authority rests with the State Board of Education. So... I mean, if wishes were horses, bakers would ride, but that is out there as a potential possibility. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Thank you very much, Mr. Knapp. Dr. Atha, we appreciate your work on this. Thank you, Thank you for preparing this for Thank our meeting you. tonight. With that, we move on to uh, item D of our meeting, which is where we invite the public to share comment with us. Oh, wait, 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 sorry, I did that again. We go to item four because Miss Hinkle is coming forward and we don't want to miss her. Sorry about that. That's okay. Thank you, Mr. Stratton, Dr. Southwick, and distinguished members of the Board of Education. I would like to say that I know there's panic in the room about the, the legislature and the funding, and just know that the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation stands ready to accept donations from the public to try to uh, <laughs> fill any holes that we might find ourselves in come June 30th. So 
um, I invite you all to give me a call if you'd like to help with the solve those problems. Well timed, well said. Thank you, thank you. I just have a couple of brief updates. I'm joined today by our board president, Anthony Springfield, and two of our board members, Ed Marquez and Drew Billingsley. They'll come up in just a second. But um, there's some exciting things going on in the foundation. I know that we are uh, getting on to 840, and so I won't talk about all of them, um, just to spare you. But, but one thing I wanted to mention is that we are instituting a new program um, this year called Leadership Shawnee Mission. And this is a really exciting partnership between the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation and William Joel College. Um, and so for three weeks this summer, we're piloting a program um, that will give intensive leadership training to 15 of our high school students. And uh, we hope that, we think it'll be very successful and that we can expand on this um, in years to come. So uh, the three weeks will be uh, intensive classroom training, both here in the Center for Academic Achievement and at William Jewell College, and then also an internship component. And the students will be paid um, a stipend for participating. So um, we really believe that this is um, for students who show great leadership potential, but maybe haven't had that kind of training. So we're inviting students to join. We're hoping next year, after we're pretty sure it's successful, um, it'll be um, an application process to participate in this program. So we're very excited to offer that. We thank our partners, William Jewell, and I'll look forward to updating you in the fall about the successes of that. So the next thing I want to do is uh, just a little background. We last year started a campaign within our schools and within our district um, to raise money for the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation. It was an employee giving campaign. We always have asked our employees to give and, and encourage them to do so, and they really came through in a very big way. And so this year, our second year, I'm really proud to announce um, that we had six uh, schools that 100% of their staff, from custodians to teachers, social workers, and food service, and secretaries, and the principal, um, gave it 100% to the Shawnee <coughs> Mission Education Foundation. So I'd like to read those off and thank them. Um, Blue Jacket Flint, Merriam Park, Roseland, Rose Hill, Crestview and Santa Fe Trail. So it's very, it's remarkable. They've shown a great deal of commitment and we are thrilled. And I would actually like to recognize two of those schools, if I may, and I believe their principals have hung in there. Um, but if the principals from Santa Fe Trail and Crestview could come up here for just a moment. And I'm joined by my board members as well. So this is a bit, um, a bit of a surprise, but I have to give a little bit more background here. Um, when he came to the Shawnee Mission School District, he immediately started advocating on behalf of the foundation. And I think in our entire history, we have never had a staff member of the school district um, who's both advocated more or given more to the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation than our interim superintendent, Kenny Southwick. And we wanted a way to thank him um, and also thank our schools. Crestview and Santa Fe Trail have been at 100% for two years in a row. 
And so tonight, we are pleased to announce the inaugural Kenny Southwick Award for Excellence and Awesomeness in support of the foundation is being awarded to Crestview and Santa Fe Trail. the board has any questions I'll wrap up great thank you any questions awesome. thank you thank you thank you well thank you very well much Ms. Inkle. we appreciate it I'm looking very closely at my agenda to be sure that the next item is uh, D public comment and this is the part of a board meeting where as part of our meeting of the Board of Education we invite the public to share comment with us uh, we have nine folks that have stepped forward and like to share some things with us uh, at three minutes each. My math says that's 27 minutes, so we're looking about the next half hour of uh, folks coming to share some things with us. So I'll just share a few of the reminders that we put, uh, we provided each of the speakers before we invite them to come forward. Um, when making remarks, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, your city of residence, what school your children attend, if applicable, and the name of any group or organization representing. Please limit your remarks to three minutes. In consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesman to represent your interests, or you may choose to pass when your name is called if a previous speaker has already expressed the same concerns that you plan to share. I do ask that you don't reiterate the same thing that the previous speaker had said. Uh, written comments or materials will be accepted and should be given to the board clerk for distribution. Uh, please ensure that at least eight copies are provided. And uh, please make your comments while remaining at the podium. Uh, reminder that complaints regarding students or staff should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with our board policy KN. If the procedure has been completed, the board will consider whether to hear such complaint in an executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of the students and or staff involved. If comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent, his or her designee, to address those comments at that time or when the item is up for board discussion. And generally, responses from the board members during public comments will be limited to clarifying questions. And so, uh, as a reminder, uh, our technology is such that on the board there will be the opportunity to uh, have the three-minute reminder on there, and uh, there's a nice little red color that pops up on there. I will be asking folks to wrap up uh, once the three minutes have come, but we are very interested in what you're having to say, here to say today. With that, uh, we have Karen House. Please come forward. My name is Karen Howes and I live in Leewood, Kansas and I'm a school social worker here in Shawnee Mission. I'm a social worker here today to talk to you all. I have over 25 years of experience working with students with severe emotional disturbances in pre-kindergarten and K-12, through both as a special ed and a general education social worker. One of the reasons I'm here today is because of the conversations that have happened in prior board meetings at the district level and really conversations at the national level regarding mental health support for students. I believe that school social workers are a critical component of the educational team. Social workers have a deep skill set working with children, their families, the school community, and the community at large. Our training as social workers helps us to look at the whole system and how it is interwoven, not just the individual child. 
Teachers need our support in order to implement the KSDE social, emotional, and character development standards that the state has outlined. Social workers, as part of Team 512, have to be able to partner together with our teachers and staff in our buildings to meet these standards. This is very challenging to do when you're in a building two or three days a week. Our goal of helping with the proactive strategies outlined in these standards are hindered when we're constantly putting out fires and triaging needs in the building. Rarely are we allowed to team with teachers who can benefit from our expertise in using evidence-based and research-backed social-emotional learning best practices when we are just stretched too far. For example, I serve over a thousand students in my two buildings. I'm at one school two days a week and one three days a week. This does not allow me to put into place preventative and skill-building measures on a large scale. It's not uncommon for me to leave one building to travel to another due to a crisis situation. And for me to leave a building, it means there's suicidal ideation that's involved. Last week in one day, I had a student in the fetal position on the floorboard who wouldn't get out of the car. That started my day. Two students who had suicidal ideation where I spoke with their counselors in the community who were very concerned. And one student who threatened to kill another student. This was in my low risk building by district standards. As we've talked about tonight, about 45% of our elementary buildings have a full-time social worker, but that leaves over 54% with someone one, two, or three days a week. It's a tough formula to figure out what building needs the most support when we have 24 social workers for 33 elementary buildings. I believe we use that at-risk formula, and I understand there's funding available through that. I totally get that. We have to be able to pay for those positions. However, issues like suicide, divorce, anxiety, autism, abusive relationships, learning disabilities, and mental health issues and gender issues know no socioeconomic boundaries. We have students walking in our doors with a multitude of these issues that impact their ability to learn every day and they impact their peers as well. I love working for the Shawnee Mission School District. I touch students' lives every day and I do feel that I make a difference, but the need is so much greater than I can meet. It's important for you to hear from those of us who are on the front lines to continue this conversation at the district level and maybe it will be talked about at the state level, unfortunately. I was hoping our legislatures might hear some of us as they continue to discuss school funding. Please know as a school social worker, I stand with the many parents and staff that you have heard from and urge you to support funding full-time school social workers at each elementary building. And in line with solutions, I don't know, maybe mental health funding as well at the state level would be something that would be helpful. But thank you for listening. Thank you. Next up is Cassie Horn. My name is Cassie Horn and I live in Overland Park, Kansas. And I have children that attend Briarwood Elementary, as well as being a school social worker in our district. Um, I'm here as a school social worker and as a parent with children in Shawnee Mission. I believe that we're at a pivotal time in our district and our nation with the increasing demands that's put on schools to address those social, emotional, mental, and behavioral needs. Um, I feel like we all are here for the common reason. We want to help our kids and we want them to be contributing responsible students out in our society. Uh, KSDE has social emotional character development set of standards that state school supports students and their ability to acquire and utilize skills to identify, understand, and effectively manage their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. 
I know the school that I'm in, our students don't all come to us with those social skills, those um, developing skills that they need. And so we fill that gap at school just like we would for math or reading. Um, I'm very fortunate to be in one building full time, but we have, my building has 530 students. And the NASW, which is the National Association of Social Workers, recommends one social worker as best practice for 250 students. It is not possible for me to meet every single student individually, so I try and do so through classroom support, teacher support, and advocating um, with families. What I do know that I can do is be that critical link for supporting students, their families, and schools by providing expertise and community outreach, mental health, and counseling <coughs> to help students improve their academic, social, emotional, and behavioral well-being. Working in one building has allowed me to build these strong relationships with the staff, students, and families in the surrounding community, and I am very thankful for this, and I know that I make a difference in the children and families I serve at Shawano. I take great pride in my job as a school social worker in Shawnee Mission, as well as I feel very fortunate to have my children attend um, elementary school in Shawnee Mission School District. Um, I feel like I can make that impact being in one building. Um, and I also hope that as a parent with children in Shawnee Mission School District that doesn't have someone in the building full-time, that if my kids were at ever something ever arose that I needed to access those services, that I was able to, and the families aren't, I'm not faced with the same obstacles that some of ours are. Thank you very much. Thank you. <coughs> Next up is Kathy Lorino. My name is Kathy Lorino. I'm a mom to four Shawnee Mission students, and I'm also a school social worker. I've been a school social worker for 24 years. 22 of those have been in the Shawnee Mission School District. I'm currently serving Rushton four days a week and Corinth Elementary School one day a week. I support approximately 1,000 students in my two buildings, 43 classroom teachers, and over 60 certified staff. School social workers have master's degree in social work and they have special expertise in understanding family and community systems and linking students and their families with community services are essential to promote student success. The Kansas State Board of Education has identified social emotional growth as one of five board outcomes. This increased focus has promoted many schools and districts to examine the topic of social emotional learning and healthy social emotional environments. Social workers are a significant resource for identifying characteristics of socially and emotionally healthy schools, as well as tools for integrating social emotional learning into school policies, practices, and procedures. Children with mental health issues are not required to obtain professional mental health services, but they are legally obligated to attend school. School is the one place where we are guaranteed access to our trauma-affected children. Our students need us to create a trauma-sensitive learning environment for them. We hear a lot about trauma-informed care. Many of our schools have started conversations regarding trauma, but what does it mean to be a trauma-informed school? The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration defines it this way. A program, organization, or system that is trauma-informed responds by fully integrating knowledge about trauma into policies, procedures, and practices, and seeks to actively resist re-traumatization. The 2017-2022 KSDE School Personnel Development Grant 
which they were talking about earlier this evening, addresses a singular critical Kansas priority area for schools by establishing a systematic, coordinated, tiered system of trauma-informed school mental health that will build the resilience of Kansas children and adolescents. Shawnee Mission should and could be a leader in the state of Kansas in establishing best practices for school systems in measuring social-emotional learning and determining the best way to assess, implement, and support social-emotional learning in our schools. We often hear about challenges with funding streams. Additional school social workers could be funded through many avenues in which the school district already participates, including at-risk and title funds, categorical aid, Medicaid funding, partnerships with community service providers, working with poorly attending students to ensure student count for state aid is accurate, identifying and assisting families in enrolling in free and reduced lunch programs, and even several Shawnee Mission PTAs have committed funds to school social work positions. I want to share a couple of ways that Shawnee Mission social workers... Ms. Lorino, I'll ask you to share one example. How's that? Uh, they're both pretty important. Uh, I want to share a couple of ways that Shawnee Mission social workers currently generate revenue that offsets the fiscal cost of social work positions. The other ways are detailed in the full statement that I've provided to you. Special education funds or categorical aid is calculated through the use of time and effort forms. These PARS forms or personal activities reports are currently completed by Shawnee Mission social workers and submitted to special education, which allows the district to receive partial reimbursement for social work time spent providing tier two, tier three, and special education intervention. Medicaid funds for school-based services provided by social workers to income-eligible students are collected through Shawnee Mission's participation in the administrative claiming program in which data is gathered from Shawnee Mission social workers through random moment time studies that are required by the federal government in order for our school district to be reimbursed for the administ administrative and outreach activities that social workers do in the Shawnee Mission District. School social work services currently generate revenue for the school district through categorical aid and Medicaid funds, which substantially offsets the local financial cost to the school district budget for school social work positions. Mrs. Reno, I'll, I'll ask you to wrap up, please. You bet. I make a difference every day in the lives of the students and families that I've had the opportunity to work with. Thank you for the opportunity to voice my hopes and dreams of supporting all families, students, and staff in Shawnee Mission. I encourage, I encourage you to very carefully consider the district SECD plan proposal that had been submitted to the Shawnee Mission School District cat, cabinet members and is before you now. I urge you to support funding full-time school social workers in each elementary building every single day. Thank you. Thank you for what you do for our district. Next up, Allison Taylor. My name is Allison Taylor. I live in Prairie Village. I'm a mother to two students at Briarwood Elementary, a fourth grader and a first grader. I also currently serve as the Briarwood PTA co-president and will continue in that role next year. I'm here today to address the need for full-time social workers at our elementary schools in general and at Briarwood in particular. We're thankful to have our amazing social worker, Karen House, at Briarwood three days a week. However, we know that's not enough. The formula used to place social workers today is based on the number of students who, at a school who are at risk. Unfortunately, though, that is one factor facing our students. There are many more issues that are not limited to one socioeconomic group. Issues such as anxiety, divorce, abuse, bullying, health crises, and more affect children from all families. 
On top of that, these issues don't just arise on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, the days that we have our social worker in school. What does happen to our students on days when, for example, they're too anxious to come into the classroom and it's a day when the social worker is not present at Briarwood? It falls on the classroom teachers. While we love our teachers, they are not equipped with the same training as social workers. The other students in the class also lose valuable learning time when the classroom teacher has to handle these situations. Briarwood currently has an enrollment of 610 students. Our resources are all stretched thin, and that includes those of our social worker. This year, she's worked one-on-one -on -one with over 84 students. She's led lunch bunches and worked with some small groups. However, most of her time, as she mentioned, is spent fighting the fires. Because she has to operate in reactive mode so often, we do not have much preventative programming happening in our classrooms. In meeting with Karen, we talked about what might happen if we choose to fund a full-time social worker. It might include more preventative programming, including worker, working with teachers to implement Second Step, more dialogue with parents, including sessions that would help us create a common school-wide language about emotional health, more time in classrooms or even small groups to help with strategies and tools to teach the small stuff, like kindness and friendships, that can often become the big stuff, like bullying. What we know for sure is that there will be a social worker there every day to touch our students that need that help. Our PTA has worked over the last several months to evaluate our funding for coming years. As part of that process, we surveyed our entire staff and then met face-to-face -face with each team of teachers. Our 24 K through 6 classroom teachers unanimously agreed that they would put the need for a full-time social worker as their number one priority for next school year. They know that in order to have strong learners in their classrooms, the social emotional needs of their students must first be met. We've also surveyed our parents and they rank social emotional help and programming as a high priority. Parents have told us that even if their own child does not directly need the services of the social worker, they will benefit if their learning environment is improved by another student receiving help. We know other members of our community have been advocating for counselors in our schools, and we'd support that too, but we really want to address why we're speaking tonight specifically about social workers. We've seen that they have the ability to not help just the student, but to address the entire issue by working with the family, connecting to community resources, training our teachers, and bringing together the entire school team. They have a unique set of skills and training that can really make a change in the school. We ask that you please prioritize a full-time social worker in all elementary schools for the next school year. In a district that preaches all means all, we want that to mean all students every day. <coughs> our students and our teachers deserve this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> next up is Ken Laverne. Ken Laverne. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. That's all right. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to address the school board. My name's Ken Lovern, and I live in Mission, Kansas. Uh, my wife, Jamie Ledbetter, uh, emailed a letter that details our specific situation. Uh, my daughter attends Shawnee Mission East. Uh, the general point is that honors classes in uh, the Shawnee Mission School District weight or give an extra grade point to A's and B's, but not C's. Other districts in Johnson County all weight A's, B's, and C's. I received a call from Dr. Strike today, and he, after becoming aware of this policy and comparing to other Johnson County districts, uh, he indicated a willingness to change this policy and stated that the policy predated him. Um, why is it necessary to change this policy? A student who's been in honors classes for several years and has been successful, um, say they're going into the final with a low B, they have a bad final, they get a C. Now instead of receiving four, a four grade point, now they get a two. And that situation really can, can have an inherent unfairness in that situation. Um, Dr. Strike said this 
he thought he could change, that the policy could be changed moving forward for incoming freshmen at some point. Um, as we detail in our letter, we would, of course, prefer a remedy that can be applied retroactively uh, to our daughter. Um, that's all I have. Thanks for your attention. Right. Thank you very much. Karen Cologne. Thank you. Paula Pyle. Good evening. My name is Paula Pyle, and I'm a school social worker supporting Benny Hoven Elementary, a building of 530 students. Currently, the board and the cabinet have an SECD proposal for your review. The proposal was created when social workers watched the needs arise across the district, observing parents demanding school counselors in all buildings. Hearing the concerns of parents compelled us to develop a solution-focused plan to share with the decision makers. The proposal is thoughtful, purposeful, and research-based. The goal of the, pur the proposal is not only to advocate for more social workers within the district, but also to, to acquire a supervising administrator that is a trained clinician. Many social workers believe these elements will assist in building capacity within the re respective building communities. We are hopeful our work opens a dialogue between social workers and the decision makers so resources can be better utilized, thus providing the needed social-emotional support for all students. I began my tenure with Shawnee Mission in 2009. Since that time, I have reported to six different coordinators or directors. Over the last few years, I've begun to identify with our students in foster care. Being moved from director to director causes an inevitable uncertainty, having fear of never truly knowing where I might be moved or who will be advocating for my needs and the needs of the students I serve. Always wondering if the new director will understand the challenges that I face as a professional. School social workers come in contact with the students who are in enduring grave circumstances. We encounter children who have been removed from their homes, experience sexual assault or abuse, engage in self-injury or self-harming behavior, have suicidal ideation, students impacted by divorce, domestic violence, parents incarcerated, and military deployment are just a few of the situations we encounter in, in our day. Having school, having social works Having a social work supervisor that is a trained cl clinician is a dire need as an informed voice advocating for our position, profession at the administrative level. It is imperative in getting the resources we need in our buildings to support all students. In order to meet the needs of these children adequately, social workers need to have access to, to guidance to increase their professional competence and proficiency. Supervision of social workers by a social worker is best practice as identified by the NASW. And having a social worker monitor the SECD mission of the district, we as clinicians can be more unified in our roles, have access to problem solving around challenges with students and ethical dilemmas, and proactively approach the challenges the district is facing. I love my job and I am committed to providing a safe learning environment where all stu students grow and thrive. Tonight, I am asking you to please consider the sustainable and cost-effective proposal that will be submitted to the, that was, has been submitted to the Shawnee Mission School District Cabinet members and is now in front of you. Thank you. Thank you. Tracy Chauvin. 
My name is Tracy Chauvin, and I support two elementary schools and approximately 800 students. As a social work student, I interned here in Shawnee Mission, and during my year here, one of the impressions that was left on me was the leadership, supportive teamwork, care, and dedication. When I left Shawnee Mission, all I hoped was that I would get the opportunity to work here, to be a part of that little glimpse that I had seen over the course of that year. And since 2012, I have been a member of the Shawnee Mission community, employed as a school social worker. During this time, I have felt a disconnect, never really a part of any team or like there was a leader invested in the success of the social workers within the district, which is disheartening as we call ourselves Team 512. Within our larger community, there are a variety of needs, all of which are differing intensities around the district. Social workers serve students who come to us with debilitating mental health needs, lagging coping skills to handle everyday stressors, a lack of control of their world outside of school. But as mentioned by my colleagues, trauma, stressors, and mental health know no socioeconomic boundaries. In order to address the need across the entire district, social workers are necessary full-time in every building, but equally necessary is a leader supporting us that has a knowledge of the specialized skills that we possess, the needs that we address, and the issues that arise in the school setting for us as clinicians. We are tasked with supporting educational initiatives, which lead to a variety of responsibilities, such as early inter inter intervention efforts using MTSS, such as um, crisis assessments, educational assessments, mental health interventions, parent education, community partnership, acting as a family school liaison, acting as a service coordinator for those community resources. Having a leader that is a trained mental health professional is crucial for us so that we can provide appropriate and responsive services to our students, their families, and our staff. In doing this and providing a social worker for each building, we will be able to partner with our staff to build their current capacities, to build our staff's resiliency, and serve the entire community, including the parents. It also would allow us as social workers to provide our services with consistency and effectiveness. So I am committed to the staff, students, and families that I support, and I'm, or I'm committed to providing a culture that enhances the health, social, emotional well-being, and safety of all of our students. I encourage you to carefully consider the viable and feasible proposal that was submitted to the Shawnee Mission School Cabinet in March, and also you have in front of you now. Thank you. Thank you. Grace Altenhoven. Hello. Um, my name is Grace Altenhoven, and I'm a junior at Shawnee Mission North High School. Uh, I'm also on the staff of the student-run newspaper, The Mission. This past Friday, April 20th, my school took part in the National Walkout, along with thousands of schools across the country. The walkout was originally planned by a group of students who were dedicated to the issue, but the administration took over the walkout and censored the students in what they could say, even making a script of what was allowed to be said. After the administration-approved walkout occurred, the walkout continued out in front of the school because a group of students wanted an opportunity to speak their minds without having the filter of the administration. Uh, while this administration-unapproved walkout happened, at the very beginning, there were student photographers taking photos of the event uh, for the yearbook and newspaper. The, one of the associate principals came and took the cameras from all the student journalists and they were taking photos of the event. 
He said that they weren't allowed to cover the event because he didn't approve of the subject matter. In the 1992 Kansas Student Publications Act, Section 3, Subsection A read, Material shall not be suppressed solely because it involves political or controversial subject matter. The associate principal's removal of cameras from student journalists because he disagreed with the subject matter they were covering is a direct violation of the rights of student journalists in the state of Kansas. If an associate principal at our high school can break a law and get away with it, what kind of examples does this set for us? Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate all the comments today. And I, Grace, thank you for coming forward. I, I appreciate your comments. Um, it means a lot to us that all the wonderful testimony and uh, message that the students sent this weekend. Um, I will turn to Dr. Southwick, who might have some additional comments. Grace, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Um, I have to tell you, we're not in the walkout business all the time. And um, I'm going to take personal responsibility for some of the things that happened. Um, and I will tell you over the next several days, I'll be having a conversation to find out more details. I found out um, early this morning what had happened at North. Um, and I will personally apologize for anything that was done to try to censor students. Um, again, we had walkouts all across the district. And in many of our buildings, students had an opportunity to stand up and say what they wanted to say uh, with a program that had already uh, been developed with administrators. And it happened all across the district. We had a few problems. And again, I'm going to take the personal responsibility for that tonight and let you know that I will be working very closely with administration to find out where the problem areas were. And I would hope that we have an opportunity to learn from this situation. But you coming tonight, uh, I do very much appreciate that. And I hope you communicate with the students back at North. Um, and I will be communicating across the district what our expectations would be moving forward. So again, thank you. All right, and with that, we've wrapped up the public comment section. As I, as I read at the opening of it, that uh, if there's any board members have any clarifying questions, I turn to you now for that. Thank you very much. And many of our staff members came forward, and I appreciate the comments that were shared there as well. We appreciate their taking their time. They're busy throughout the day, and then they spent the time with us today. Thank you. With that, we'll move on to item E, and uh, this is the approval of minutes, and we'll take them one at a time here. And uh, I'll seek a motion to approve the minutes of the regular meeting of March 26th. So moved. Thank Second. you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Thank you. All those in favor of approving the minutes, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That was 7-0. I'll now seek a motion to approve the minutes of the special meeting on March 26th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Seconded. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor of the approval of the minutes of the March 26th special meeting, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Thank you. We move on to the special meeting number two of March 26th. And so I'm moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. I heard Sinclair. a second. Uh, Sinclair. Dr. Sinclair, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Thank you. We move on to item four, which is a special meeting March 26th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That was 7-0. 
the special meeting of April 16th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That's 7-0. Thank you for that. We move on to item F1, and this is where we adopt the agenda for the evening. Move approval of the agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. I heard Mrs. Zila for a second there. Um, any questions, discussions, or items that would like to be pulled from the agenda before we move forward? Seeing none, all those in favor of approving the agenda as is, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. Thank you. We move on to the consent agenda, which is item G1. Is move approval of the consent agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Anyone like to remove any items from the consent agenda as presented today? Seeing none, I'll seek approval of the consent agenda as presented. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Nay? It's 7-0. Thank you. And with that, we move on down to uh, L, or actually on the M. We have M, and it's an action item. We have under educational services, and it'll be item M1, Dr. Southwick. Yes, earlier, earlier tonight, there was a presentation on the adoption of math curriculum and instructional resources by our staff. I uh, hope you found that as uh, informational as I did, but I would be recommending uh, tonight the purchase of the middle school and high school math instruction resources, a six-year subscription to Big Ideas Math, modeling real-life grades seven and eight, and a six-year subscription to Big Ideas Math, Algebra one, Geometry, Algebra two, both resources from National Geographic Learning. Uh, percentage learning. Um, the total cost of the adoption is not to exceed $700,000. All right, thank you. Um, I'll seek a motion to approve and then we'll seek discussion. All those are motion to approve. I, I'll move to approve. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. I'll move Goodburn. to approve. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Is there any discussion or questions regarding action item M1 as presented? I just appreciate all of the work that they've put into that and including the staff members and um, and the students as well. I appreciate yep. all their work. It's a lot of work. And, and the resources look great. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Dr. Sinclair. Um, I have a question and a comment. Is a six-year contract pretty typical for um, a curriculum program? Dr. Harvard is saying yes. Okay. Right. Um, and um, uh, my comment was just I, I, I appreciate the um, connection <coughs> or ways in which implementation of the um, Engage New York was also kind of integrated into the pilot project and thinking about implementation and continuity of the curriculum and, and instruction. Um, um, and um, I look forward to learning more about how <coughs> our um, our um, site councils, district at the building level and district wide um, can continue to grow to provide that kind of community input, stakeholder input in the process and learning about what our district is doing and the decisions that they're making and how we might be able to expand upon that. Or you continue to pay for it. In many cases, it actually goes away because they're not supporting the platform any longer. So you still have these textbooks that we can use forever, but the online piece will go away. <coughs> so 
Um, historically in Kansas over the last, I would say, 15 years, many school districts have put ad textbook adoptions on hold. We won't buy any textbooks this year. It's a way to save money. Um, for future adoptions, that's going to be something that we're going to have to consider as a district and all the districts around us. When the six years is up, the resource is up. We don't have a textbook in hand that we would traditionally be able to carry out adoptions for years and years and years. So that is something that an online platform that we have to always consider at moving forward and not purchasing textbooks. So just I just want to plant that seed because it is very typical that the the online license goes away in five, six. Sometimes you can get them up to seven years, uh, but again, you have the hard copy resource. In this case, we will not. So at the end of six years, we will have to either continue paying an annual if it's available or you another resource adoption. And we've called this one a resource adoption purposefully because every kid will not have a textbook in hand. Thank you. Yes, Mrs. Owsley. Um, can I ask a follow-up question, Dr. Hubbard? Um, sorry, I know the podium's kind of in the way. Um, I asked during the workshop, but I was hoping for clarification. Is there any anticipation in the future of buying a coordinating curriculum for the elementary levels with this, uh, at this juncture right now? Is that Most, on the table? And I would also ask for the expertise here, my colleagues, um, but most, uh, most resources are not a K-12 resource. Mm -hmm. You will typically see a K-6 resource, um, and, and then oftentimes you'll see a 7-12 resource, but rarely ever in my experiences in CNI at the district level in purchasing resources, K-12 does not, most people do not make K-12. They're not in the business of K-12. <coughs> so how so, much, oh, so how much is the cost when you purchase the, through the K-6 through curriculum? If tonight's, if the expense tonight is the 700000 for the upper It all upper depends on what the choice is. <coughs> uh, I, I can't really speak too much to engage New York from K-6, but I know it was a much cheaper um, price tag than what we saw tonight. And that is because the and Chris, you may have to help. Chrissy started this um, three years ago, and we did pilots of Engage New York, Santa Fe Trail and Ray Marsh with the two elementaries, if I remember correctly, is that correct? That piloted Engage, and so they went through a similar process um, to land where they did with Engage, but Engage was a, uh, they, they're not a for-profit company, and so therefore that's why the price tag was the price that it was versus big ideas. Thank you. Additional background to that. Engage New York was actually developed with um, grant funding uh, that were allocated to a research consortium. So it was developed with research in mind as an evidence-based model. Thank you. Other questions about the motion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That's 7-0. We'll move on to um, N, and this is Administrative Services, N1. And this would be the approval of the school year, the school calendar for the year 1920. Not next year, but the next, the school year 1920. I'm making that very clear, Dr. Atha. We're planning ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, as you may recall, I came before the board back in December to ask you to approve uh, the 2018-19 calendar. And, told, and you did, and I told you that I would be back in the spring. We had a couple of, couple of glitches uh, to work out with uh, 
uh, in our PNA professional negotiated agreement that would allow us to to do a, another calendar out. So I stand before you this evening uh, with the 2019-20 calendar um, for your consideration. The goal here is to get two years of calendars out before our public, before our teachers, so that they can plan ahead. And this is in line with our sister schools in Olathe, Blue Valley, DeSoto, I believe they do this. Uh, and uh, we get constant questions of when's spring break in 2019-20? And we are unable to answer that question other than we can give you the corresponding date. Well, I'm planning a vacation, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, and I, I certainly understand that. So that's our goal, uh, is to get two years of calendars uh, before our community. And if approved this evening, I will be bringing you the 2020-21 calendar in December. And then every December after that, it will put us on that cycle of having two years of calendars. So it takes a little while to get there, but, but, uh, but we'll make it if, if, if the board sees fit. Um, this calendar is very similar. To, to our current calendar and really the calendar uh, the year before. Uh, it aligns with uh, Kansas state law. It aligns with the Kansas State Department of Education required guidelines. And it aligns with the professional negotiated agreement. Um, I have sought input uh, of parents. Uh, obviously, uh, the NEA Shawnee Mission uh, I did not go before SMAC this year uh, with this calendar because it was so similar. Um, uh, but uh, I think we've got good community input on this calendar. So um, it's without reservation that I recommend approval of the 2019-20 school calendar as presented. And I'm happy to answer any questions. I'll first seek a motion and a second, then we'll... Ask additional questions. I would move approval of the 1920 school calendar. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. And Second. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Uh, questions about the proposed calendar for the year 19 and 20? Um, yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, could you share briefly, I know I'd asked, some parents have asked, why does it start on a Thursday or a Friday, sometimes when the calendar does, and it looks like this year it starts on a Monday, and I think you shared a very um, short answer that was kind of illuminating, I thought. It's truthfully the way the calendar falls that we can meet uh, state guidelines and also meet contractual agreements with the PNA. Um, and as you can see, we sometimes will be bringing teachers, new teachers in on the 1st of August or the 2nd of August or the 3rd of August. Uh, but the calendar changes a little bit and it just happens and I get mixed reviews of whether to start school on Friday or Monday. Um, but uh, it just happens in this calendar that it does start on Monday. So it's really the calendar, because this is kind of corresponding dates, if you will. You know, we still have 187 contract days for teachers, uh, but we build in 191 days of school for inclement weather, emergency reasons. 
and then we'll reduce those accordingly if we don't use them. And then kind of building backwards from trying to get, not bringing students back after the Labor Day weekend. Memorial Day. I mean Memorial Day weekend, sorry. We, we try to finish school if we can before Memorial Day weekend, but that's not always possible either with the way the calendar falls. Okay. Thank you. Other questions about the proposed calendar? Thank you. All those in favor of the proposed calendar for the year 19 and 20, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That's 7-0. Thank you, Dr. Aitha. Mr. Stratton, I do have an announcement that I'd like Thank to make you. with respect to calendars, if I can. Yes, sir. There's been a lot of question, um, really, since probably February or March, when our last day of school would be. And as you know, the snow days that we've had have moved us forward. Um, and I'd like to say tonight that we'll know for sure going into May we won't have any snow, but we don't know that for sure. But I would like to announce uh, for the public, and we'll be putting out tomorrow, that um, our calendar will stay it was list as it was listed this year. So our last day for students will be a half a day on Friday, May the 25th, and the last day that we'll have for teachers will be on the following Tuesday after Memorial <coughs> Day on May 29th. Um, and at the end of, of that day, if everything is checked out, uh, teachers will be able to go home at the end of the day. Uh, we know that there are some teachers that stay around a lot longer than that and some teachers that come in earlier than the date that we have, but those are the contract days that we have uh, and that will fulfill the teacher's contract by working the, uh, the last, that Tuesday last day, uh, May the 29th. Right. Thank you. May I add one thing, Dr. Southwick? Because yep. our seniors are going to want to know, too. And so seniors' last day will be the 11th, Friday the 11th of May. Also unchanged, I believe. So the calendar as it was presented is how we'll end the year. Okay. Thank you for your work on that. I appreciate it. I still can't believe we're talking about the year 2020. Um, with that, we'll look at uh, item number two, and this is the approval of the purchase of the Frontline Professional Learning Software Services. Yes, yeah, so um, actually I think we have a presentation tonight with Dr. Schumacher, and he's brought some staff with him who have worked on um, the purchase of this professional learning software, and this is to aid um, our staff and turn the program over to Dr. Schumacher. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Mr. Stratton, Dr. Southwick, rest of the board, thank you again for the time. It's my pleasure um, this evening to introduce some friends of mine, uh, Ms. Jenny Collier, uh, Mr. Bradley Page, and Ms. Uh, Christy Darby, who assisted us in the recommendation of this uh, software to you tonight. Uh, they represent a group of uh, teachers, uh, other educators in the district that have gone through a month-long process, several-month-long process to get to this point. Um, being late in the evening, I'm going to step out of the way and let them present. They did some wonderful work, and I want them to share with you what they've done. So we're here really just to talk you through kind of the process that we went through as the PDC committee. Um, something that we feel is really important is that for professional growth, for it to be successful, we have to have a program that also fits the needs that we need on a regular basis. Um, our human resources leadership team spent nearly two years observing, asking uh, our staff members, our leadership teams, questions and op uh, observed 
sorry, questions, they asked questions, they observed our system, the, the way that it worked, the way, I'm sorry, yeah, I did not of, talk. Really yeah, yeah. It's been a long night. Uh, there were a lot of opportunities <laughs> to, to put in our feedback and, and our, our HR um, leadership team did a great job of, of reaching out to us and, and um, collaborating with us to see what our needs were um, <laughs> so that, that the system that we did pick um, would fit, fit teacher needs. Um, so basically that slide right there. Um, definitely a lot of challenges um, with the current process, um, with the repetitive procedures with licensure and the lack of software updates. We do acknowledge that, that the, the program that was built that we have still use to this day was built quite a long time ago and there has not been the updates. Um, that would probably be traditional to the software that you would use today. Um, but also we acknowledge too that there was a lot of new technolo uh, technology initiatives that has happened since that process had been, uh, been put in. Yep. So our team came together and decided that we needed to look for a different system, something that better fit our needs, that also fit our technology needs because our tech department now is doing a whole lot more than they were when this program was first initiated. And, yeah, and also recognizing that it was still, the, the program that we still have and, and that is tried and true today was still on the table as well when we were considering options. Um, we decided to get a group of, of people together, staff members, administrators from all over the district and uh, interview, we interviewed different vendors. So through that process, our representative body. Uh, I think they're all gone now, but there were some members here that were, that were showing the support. And, and, I can, and I can say personally, and I'm sure for Jenny as well, it was a great opportunity to sort of lift the veil of, of what was behind um, uh, when, we, when we send out proposals and, and people actually coming back and interviewing. And, and it was a great opportunity to be able to, to see into that and, and um, to follow the process all the way through. Yeah. So the main things that we knew we had to look for within our new system is software usability. It had to be easy for our teachers to use, easy for them to navigate even on their own without a lot of training. We wanted competitive pricing. We also wanted to make sure that there was going to be training available. And also we wanted to work with a company that had experience with what we were wanting in a system. I think it's unique with the software usability to, to highlight that it's not a program that we use every day and so it definitely has to be something that I can log back in and, and our colleagues can log back in even after a month of not using it to be able to, to tally our points and, and to do everything that would be easy to use and, and quick to, to turn around if we uh, had to put some information in there. So we previewed the vendor uh, proposals. We conducted interviews with all with the two vendors that did submit proposals. We also talked with our own tech team around what it would cost, what it would take for them to create something similar to what we were wanting and seeing from the other vendors. So that wasn't, like Brad said, it wasn't off the table that we would still stay in-house. Um, we. Yeah, the final interview was it was it was evident that that yeah. the team and and even going back to our buildings and speaking with them that that we did want to go with a with a vendor that was um, the best choice for our district and and that that was a front line um, and through meeting with them and and um, speaking with them multiple times um, that's what it was a unanimous decision on on our uh, interview piece as well. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Do we have any questions? I would just add to that that the, the price of this software doesn't rise to an item that would be an action item. But we believe that it would be important enough for you to hear the collaboration of our staff 
as we've looked at the software, I also want to um, give Linda Seek and the NEA credit. This was one of the items that we talked about at the negotiation table last year, that we agreed that we would work as a committee working together to try to solve a problem. And I think we did that, and I think it proves that when we work together and we get input, um, we have an opportunity to do some really good things for our staff. We don't want any of our staff to be in a situation like we've had um, since I've been here where um, they potentially could lose their license because we didn't have a, a articulated process. So I want to thank you all for the work you did. Thank Linda uh, for the work that's been done um, away from the negotiation table to try to solve some of these issues. Thank you. Any other questions on the presentation here and the, and the proposed purchase? I would move approval of the purchase for Frontline Professional Learning Software. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. And that was uh, Dr. Sinclair with the second. Thank you. Any further discussion, questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That's 7 0. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. With that, we will move on to uh, item P1, and this is the uh, school fee schedule for the coming year, 1819. Dr. Southwick. The interim superintendent would recommend approval of the attached school fee schedule for the 2018-19 school year. And I believe with respect other than um, some transportation increase that's reflective of the increases that we've seen, the rest of the fee schedule stays the same. All right. Thank you. Seek a motion. Move approval. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Any questions or discussion on the proposal? I just one yes. one observation there, and you will notice that on this sheet again this year, we have no elementary school fees. So I just want to point that out because that's something that the the district um, took off the shoulders of our elementary school parents a few years ago, and um, it's still in there as not a burden on them. Thank you. Any other questions or comments on the motion on the on the motion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. And that passes 6-0. And we move on to uh, action item P2, Brookwood. Yes, as we have with all of our new schools, um, very important part of that is our playgrounds. So we're bringing to you tonight um, Brookwood playground equipment for the total price of $325,903. And the funding for this project is for <coughs> bond monies. Thank you. Seek a motion. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Ayla. I'll second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Any questions or on the motion? Seeing none. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That is six zero. Move on to item three. Over the last several months, we brought um, requests for approval for improvements of our theaters across the district. Um, I won't go into detail because we've covered that the last couple of months, but I would ask that you approve the upgrades to Shawnee Mission East Theater, Shawnee Mission North, Indian Woods, Trail Woods Middle School for a total price of $616,218. Also paid for out of bond money. Bond money. All right. Thank you. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passed 6-0. Move on to item four, lighting upgrades. Yes, in association with that work, 
I'd recommend the lighting upgrades for Shawnee Mission East Theater, Shawnee Mission um, East High School, Indian Woods um, Middle School for a total price of 353, 371, and it's also paid out of bond money. Thank you. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. I'll second it. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. 6-0. And we move on to item 5, change order for the CAC, CAA. Yes, this is my last item for approval tonight. We're going to continue to do some work on this building. Um, we will be, with this um, change order, we'll be outfitting the second biotech lab. Uh, we'll be working to put an office over in that area that would serve for our principal. We're looking at a uh, non-gender restroom as a part of this, and there are some other things that we're taking care of. Uh, I might mention that the cones and the yellow lines out in front haven't worked as well as what we thought they might uh, as we saw people begin to trip on the step. So the front of the building will be reconfigured with ramps uh, as a safety issue for this building. Um, in addition to that, there's a little drain at one of our canopies that we'll be diverting some water from. So um, I bring this and ask for your approval for the $401,141 uh, that it takes to do this work and it'll be done this summer. And um, I believe these dollars are capital outlay. Thank so you. Moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Any discussion? All those in favor of item P5, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passed 6 0. Thank you for those, Dr. Southwick. We now move on to action item R. This is a Board of, action, Board of Education action item. Uh, number one is the approval of the revised policy BCBI, public participation. This is the second reading. Um, it's provided in our minutes from the meeting, from the previous meeting. And this is a second reading with the uh, seeking of a, an approval. Um, we're gonna take this in, in two pieces as my suggestion. One is to approve the board policy as proposed under what's described as called public comment. And then a second motion to approve the uh, changes to the board manual that would reflect the same language. But at this point, um, I'll turn to two of the representatives who served on that task force, Reverend Guy and Mrs. Zila, if you'd like to offer up any additional commentary before we seek approval of these items. Sure, what we've listed here um, in this is the former policy all struck, has the strikes through it there, and I believe it's a clean copy that we've gotten all the input from other board members as to wording or suggestions that they, and I think we've incorporated those, so hopefully there's no other outstanding um, questions, but we're certainly willing to listen if there are. Thank you. Okay, Reverend Guy, would you like to add anything to that? No, just thank you to everyone uh, for your input. Um, words matter, and so it was a lot of wordsmithing <laughs> to try to say what we wanted to say as clearly and concisely as we could. So thank you for all of your input to help us try to get there. Okay. I'll move approval. I'll Thank second. you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. And this is the uh, motion to approve policy BCBI as presented in the second reading. Any final discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6 0. 
and we'll do the same for the uh, second item under section R2, which is the approval of the revised board manual section that speaks to the same. I would move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Mm -hmm. second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional comments, questions, commentary? Seeing none, all those in favor of this motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That is 6-0. I'll share my thanks as well to Reverend Guy, Mrs. Zila, and Mrs. Mack, who made it two hours today. She did a great job uh, battling a cold, but she, she couldn't last any longer, so we'll pass on our thanks to her as well on this item. How are we doing? We are to the board financial report. Um, we had a, a summary earlier in the meeting that was very intentional so that we could have that discussion right next to the, uh, the legislative discussion, but uh, any additional updates or on the board financial report? Dr. Southwick or Russ Knapp? I guess I'll turn to the board. Any questions about the, board, the report as presented? Are we done talking about finances for one meeting? Yes. <laughs> okay. Can we send that kid who got the state rock named up there to lobby for us? Yes, there you go. There you go. Thank you for that and thank you for the additional information today. We appreciate that. That's very helpful. With that, we'll move on to item T1, which is comments from the board. I'll turn to board members by a raise of hand who would like to begin. You're being shy. Go ahead, Reverend Guy. Um, I was able to attend the Shawnee Mission West walkout on Friday, and uh, I was incredibly impressed. Um, got to see Chief Douglas and his officers in action as they made sure that the students would be safe. Uh, Principal Lowe and the other uh, administrators there were all again overseeing the students and making sure that everybody was safe. The students had uh, planned out the event uh, incredibly well. It was very moving, it was very powerful. Um, the school had handled the, um, the students that didn't want to participate and so they stayed in class with their teachers and the students that did were outside for 17 minutes. Um, and then immediately when it was done, the the administrators made sure that all the students made it back to class. And um, so I'm, I'm sorry that it didn't work that well at some of the other schools, but I am grateful to Dr. Southwick for allowing the students to have that time to speak what was on their hearts, what they wanted to, to share. And, um, and I'm just, I'm very proud of them. I think they are so articulate and they, uh, they care so much about this because it's been such a huge part of their lives. And I think to give them that opportunity to say that was important. And so uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I wish it would have worked better at some of the other schools. And uh, maybe next walkout we'll, we'll get it right. I, uh, but at West, it, it went beautifully. And I'm just very grateful to everyone who helped make that happen. Thank you. Other board member comments? Graduations are upon us nearly. Before we meet again, we'll have graduations. So I would congratulate the class of 2018 and all the staff that helped get them there and um, look forward to graduations this year. Yes, Mrs. Goodburn. Um, in early April, um, six of us plus Dr. Southwick and Dr. Atho were able to attend the National School Board Association meeting. And so we were very grateful to be able to do that and actually for those of you that don't know, last year we were the um, fortuitous, um, I guess, uh, school district that put their card into a pot and won 
eight registrations to that event. Uh, that was a cost of about $1,000 a piece, $8,000 savings to our district for a contest that was won. So we took adva full advantage and sent uh, all of our members because we all know that they, um, the National School Board uh, meeting has a huge amount of um, different presentations and things for us to be able to cover. And so for eight of us to be able to go and cover all the different present, a, a lot of, well, not a lot, I should say <laughs> a portion of the uh, things that they offer was really great. And we did, a, I think, a really great job trying to divide and conquer too. Um, I took an opportunity of a couple hours today actually to revisit my notes and things from that and pulled out a few things. Um, I'm not going to go into it because the hour is late, but I, I do have some resources that I do want to um, share with you all, and I will send those on. Um, one thing, it won't surprise you at all that I went to one on data, data, data everywhere. And so I have some uh, good some good suggestions about that and also a website that I want to share with you all too that, and some resources there. And I also did go to see the Meet the Winner of the, um, uh, when we were in one of the general sessions, they, they Kauf, uh, not the Kaufman, the um, Kennedy Center, thank you, um, had um, some award winners of different districts in the arts, and I went. I wanted to see what that uh, school district was doing around the arts, and so again, I have some suggestions, and I shared some things with Dr. Southwick while we were there, and things. But I'll I'll go into that. Uh, it's the hours late, and so. But I, I think it was a great opportunity, not only for us to to get education on the things that we do, and. Um, but also for us to yeah, get to know one another a little bit better too. And I'm so sorry you weren't able to join us because you had life things going on too. So, but anyway, it was a great opportunity. So I'll open it up for anyone else that wants to. Yes. Come in. Anyone else? I could probably. In a, oh, go ahead, Deb. That's okay. Let's see that. I, I can wait. Dr. Sinclair, right. go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to um, take one minute maybe and add um, some comments or observations. Um, from the, the National School Board Association Conference. Uh, just reflecting on um, being a new board member and also being a, a researcher by profession, I was really compelled um, by kind of this growing body of research that um, looks at this, the, finding the relationship between highly effective school boards and student achievement. And so I spent a good deal of my time in sessions that were really focused on process. And so I just wanted to share, there were a number of themes that emerged, data off, uh, definitely being one of them, but a number of themes that emerged um, across those sessions uh, looking at highly effective boards. And I think they resonate with a number of things that we heard tonight. Um, so of those themes, um, effective boards are focused on student learning, um, driven by a clarity of vision, mission, and priorities. Decision-making is strategic and informed. Leadership is collaborative and balanced. Um, board members routinely engage in ongoing professional development. So I'm grateful for the raffle winners last year because being a new board member, I'm particularly grateful for the opportunities for professional development, and we've been able to do that twice, once in December and then just last month. So just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you. And I will send on my thoughts and my uh, PowerPoints and that sort of thing I garnered from the sessions that I attended, which were very good. Also wanted just to point out that I think all of us uh, did come together for one particular session, and it was given by the Pattonville School District and our incoming superintendent, Dr. Fulton, and three of his board members who we got to, to meet and get to know a little bit better. And it was an excellent, excellent presentation 
on how they are bringing up scores for all of the kids that struggle that are at risk in their district. And I'll just share that uh, I, I picked uh, a couple of different programs and I got to tell you, the session that I chose was put on by the Alaska School Board Association. And I went into the room thinking, I wonder what this is going to be like. And I got to tell you, it was great. They gave me more ideas to bring back about uh, the effectiveness, efficiency of our board meetings. Um, I, I can't wait to begin to discuss and introduce some of those ideas. So just like they're probably sitting in a meeting right now and go, I can't believe I got some ideas from Kansas. Well, I'm saying it. I got some great ideas from the folks from Alaska. The last thing I'll point out is our calendar is at the bottom of the agenda, and one item I'll lift up is that on our board retreat is April 25th. That's uh, this Wednesday. Dr. Fulton will be in the district. This is one of the days that we worked into the contract that we agreed, and we will be spending a three-hour retreat with uh, Dr. Fulton and the seven board members to begin to look to the future and begin a discussion about planning for the future and um, putting in place the priorities that uh, he'll, we'll work with him. I guess the, the piece that we took away from our meetings uh, from the convention was team of eight. And uh, we got to see a lot of his presentation, as Mrs. Zila alluded to, around the team of eight. And we look forward to beginning that journey beginning this Wednesday. Anything else? With that, I have to do it one more time. Any students that are still left with us, raise your hands. Oh my God. All right. What schools are you from and what class are you here for? Okay. Great. <laughs> right. Do you need something signed, guys? We'll like give you an A. Kind of thing or something. All right. With that, we are adjourned. Thank you for being here tonight.